washing machine. <laughs> it just like yeah, so I was looking background at noise to you. So I'm like, oh, that's going, what the fuck is going on there? Because like, every now and again, there's just a little thing. Like, so I was checking my PC. Is that my PC making a lot of noise? And I look over and I just see the washing machine, which sometimes sounds like someone put a brick in it. Just like a monster in the corner. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, shit. I feel so sorry for my downstairs neighbours. My washing machine sounds like it's it sounds like it's gonna take off. Oh god! So I need to get one of those like Xbox 360 esque oh. power bricks for the back to weigh it down. So I still contest the reason they had those power bricks at the back of the Xbox 360 was to weigh that shit down to stop it taking off. Oh, right, so. well, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not a PS4, you know. Apparently, those things just haunt. But anyway, yeah, welcome to another episode of the podcast that I'm doing for money. Called it's Carl's Corner. I forget every time, and I'm <laughs> and I am here with uh, my friend Lucas, who appeared in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we are not recording in oh, the huh? same room. So this is going to be a proof of concept to see if it's possible to record these things with people who are not in the room or even in the. Because who wants to be exactly. in the same room as Carl? Like you're all the way in Liverpool, and that's like a train journey I don't want to make every week if I want to record one of these things. <laughs> so we apologise if the audio quality isn't great or there's like um, uh, mistakes. But blame it on Lucas because he's editing this one. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, what, just blame that's the editor. It's fine. <laughs> blame the editor for everything. So as per usual, um, what are you drinking in today's podcast, Lucas? And if you listen to last week's podcast, I'm assuming Lucas didn't, because it's not up yet. Um, so we recall these in the past. I mean, oh shit, yes, we'll be editing it today, so we'll be listening to it straight <laughs> so after. I'm this. not drinking because I'm trying to like slim down. So what I'm drinking today is I've I've got lemon lime with a slice of cucumber, some ice cubes, and a dash of lemon zest. Because apparently I'm just a middle-aged woman whose kids are at football practice. <laughs> Do you know when you like think, I just want to treat myself. So I bought a cucumber and I sliced it up and put it in my water. That's really nice. I wonder how that tastes with a drop of lemon and lime. Like, oh, that's really nice. And then I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognise myself anymore. <laughs> went, Who are you? And I looked over <laughs> and there's a bottle of gin on my, like, my shelf. And I went, I don't even want to put gin in this. This is too nice. You've made the full yeah, transition. Middle-aged woman with kids. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting here with my passion fruit Malibu. Passion fruit like, yeah. Malibu. I, I don't know. I just saw it and it was on. Let's go. Like, Let's give this a try. So basically, if this goes on, you're going to get progressively drunker, and I'm going to have to rein this in. Well, that's, that's not not something you have. Like, <laughs> I mean, that sounds like most weekends with me. Carl. So, um, what have you been up to this week, anyway, man? Uh, just working a lot, really. It's a uh, Half term for the kids, so I have to work up many, work, many hours. Are you going to be a Brad about but, it and like be coy? I mean, I work at lovely little Nando's, getting that chicken to the people. Nando's, it's so popular in it. It's crazy. Like, oh, um, it is. It's ridiculous. I think Nando's, like, I think it's, like, it's American as well, so I don't think we need to explain what Nando's is. It's chicken. It is a restaurant that sells basically. It's, yeah, it's chicken um, and chips. Nando's was the saviour for me at university. If you want to take a girl on a date, and you didn't want to seem cheap by taking it at Weatherspoons, but you also didn't want to spend more than a tenner, you take it at Nando's. <laughs> it's you like spend nice that, ten, you know, that chicken and two sides with a limited refillable drinks and maybe a, like, a beer if you're feeling like fancy. It was the saviour, man. Oh, God. How many first dates do you get in there? You must get so many. Oh, yeah. God, it's ridiculous. The amount of like 16-year-olds 
just going cool. on the first date and they're clearly just so awkward. Oh, it's great. Can you tell as well? Can you always tell? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> just people. <laughs> so I remember once I was, I took a girl to Nando's and I made the joke about all guys going to Nando's. And yep. she went, yeah, the last three Tinder dates I went on all took me to Nando's. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, it's just the place. So I made the joke of, oh, I bet they turned up in a check shirt and they went, yeah, they all did. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> But we only went there because it's like, oh no, we had like, uh, she had like a quarter chicken left on a card. Oh, um, right, yeah. Why do you want to eat a quarter chicken? She went, because I don't want to eat half chicken. And I'm like, oh, I just fell in love right then and there. Like, <laughs> and she broke my heart, so let's not talk about that too much. No, is it just working you've been up to then? Other than um, I mean, playing through Mass Effect 1 and Andromeda at the same time, so that's always good. Just to see. I, um, I started trying to show. Mass Effect to my girlfriend Jenna and mm-hmm. I'm only playing that with her in the room but I've also really got the itch to play Mass Effect so I've also the started a save file on Mass Effect Andromeda just to just to scratch at that itch a little bit while she's not here playing it with me but why would you play Mass Effect Andromeda if you because to, to be fair I've, I've never played through Mass Effect Andromeda I like, I've heard that a lot of the problems were solved and it's not been too bad from what I've played so far oh, it's, please tell me that it's no Mass Effect before too. you I got before you got the update, you played the version that didn't like have the update and saying, let's have a play through the version that the developers felt was acceptable to charge oh, me for. Just are to you, see. Are you actually asking if I could play a game offline without updating it at this point? Oh yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah, that's, it's not a thing, no. I got, it, I got it through like um, EA Access, so obviously I've got to be online to oh, ever touch the game. It, yeah. The latest version of it, oh man. Yeah, exactly. One bird, just want a bit of disc. You just see, <laughs> just see the bullshit. It's like um, like oh, was it one of the Arkham games was like completely wrecked on release. Arkham Knight on the, on the PC release had to be taken down because it was that bad a port. Man, WB's not very good. They did that with Mortal Kombat as well, didn't they? One yeah. of Mortal Kombat's was so bad. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so the idea that you could just buy a game and it's just broken. So I think it's um, Tony Hawk's Five. The update oh, God, for that yeah. game is the game. Yeah, like the, disc, the disc itself. People it's don't know trash. the story. Tony Hawk's Five, like the one that was released recently, um, the game isn't on the disc. It's like six gig on the disc, and there's an update for like thirty gig, which it just is adds the, the game in. Yeah, it's the rest of the game. And if eventually that's not going to stop, that's going to stop being a thing. It's not going to pay for like the server resources for like Tony Hawk's fucking Five. So eventually, that game's disc will be effectively worthless, and you'll be able to play like the tutorial level. <laughs> it's like, for example, um, Drive Club. That's getting its service taken down next year, and it's like that game's only a few years old. Like, okay, it's probably not the most popular game, but the fact that it's like, oh, this is an online-based driving game where it's about the clubs that you drive with. Like, yeah. it's it's just being taken out, and it's like, oh, but you can still play the single player. Oh, okay. Like, I like the idea though. Who's going to be the last club? Who's going to be? <laughs> do you remember like Halo Two when they shut the servers down for that? And it was like that one big last day. Yeah, those. Uh, I think it was like a group of thirty people set up um, a LAN and played mm. online and refused to go offline and kept Halo Two servers <laughs> yeah. online for like another eighteen days. I want to see who's going to be the last Drive Club club. Who's going like, out? And they all got to have Mad Max cars. Something we call like Lord Humongous, and they're just driving around. And I imagine like Sony executives going in in their cars trying to chase them down (laughs) to shut down the servers. It's like, no, we will race forever. 
and then just crashing them into the walls. Vin Diesel logs on to help them. And the ghost of Paul Walker just appears in the sky as they just drive <laughs> past all the Sony executives. And they all just I'll... eventually just drift off and fly up into the sky to never be seen again. And they come back as Gran Turismo cars. <laughs> Man, like the idea that you can just own a game now that just someone else can just shut down forever and it stops working. Yeah. That shit's the best. Like, someone at EA must be wanking themselves off silly. Just thinking about the idea, we can sell people things and then just take the thing away so they have to buy the next one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm really surprised, for example, um, one thing I never thought would happen is this month we got Star Wars Battlefront 2, but the Mm -hmm. good one, the original one from Xbox, that's a Games of Gold for this month. Oh, is that shit? I'll have to go down again. Yeah, you need to get that because, man, I went back and just started playing it for a bit and it's just just more fun. Oh, and they're yeah. like just absolutely ridiculous new Star Wars Battlefront 2 with all its loot boxes and crap like that. I just went into that game and you just you spend half your time not playing the game. Yeah, it's like give us money, consumer. But yeah. I used to love Star Wars Battlefront 2 because that's the one where you can play like the droid deckers in it. It is, is it, yeah. Is that the one? Or is it, yeah, yeah. You can go yeah. through all the way through the, from to the prequels to like the um, the original three movies. Yeah, it's got all, the... all six movies. You could play as like, like droidekers and yeah. all the super battle droids and stuff like this. No, droid decker all the way, because it had ball mode. <laughs> and I just rolled around, crashed. And I remember, I think I was playing with my mate Tom, and he was playing on the enemy team, and he was like, he brought in Anakin or Obi-Wan or something. And I got a droid decker and crashed into him and knocked him off edge at level. This <laughs> <laughs> like, let's fix the timeline right now. The yeah. droid decker. This droid decker's going to get a promotion. <laughs> Just the Emperor's going to come put a medal on this fucking robot. That's the thing is, as much as I, you know, like many people, dislike the uh, prequel movies, the actual game made it really fun to play with a lot of those characters and stuff. Because there was some really cool shit in that movie. And there was, like, they just yeah. pulled it off really badly. Like the robot army and the clone army, and I yeah. love the idea of specialised robots. Like, obviously, like the droid deck or the super battle droid, or even just playing as the regular droids. And, and you've got like four different droid. versions of them. You've got like an assassin robot droid. It's like playing as a sniper droid and just um, picking off gun guns. It's like I'm going to solve this overpopulation crisis <laughs> one round at a time. These gun guns get wiped the fuck out. Oh, that was, it's sad as well because obviously Disney is not going to explore that universe again. And it's oh, no. kind of disappointing because there's so much cool extended universe stuff. Like, Do you ever hear what happened to Jar Jar Binks' dad? No, I did not. No. In the extended universe, like before Disney, like, um, why it's off in canon. And this is true. People can look it up listening at home. Jar Jar Binks' dad was like a respected um, engineer or something. He was a respected high-level something in Gungan society. And his son's incompetence made, and the fact that he basically brought the emperor to power made him so embarrassed that he killed himself. Oh, my <laughs> so God. Jar Jar Binks' dad canonically just shot himself because his son was such a jackass. That's horrifying. I know, but it's more the fact that he wrote it into canon. Why would you write that? Because it was supposed to be like a nod for fans of like, oh, we are, you hate Jar Jar. I guess who else hates him? His own dad. His oh own God. dad was so ashamed. He just died. And I want to see that as like a fully realised CGI like short before like <laughs> episode 9. Yeah, that's what Disney are going to tell the kids. Just da- Jar Jar getting dunked on. This is the entire family. <laughs> and then just like part of the Death Star lands on his house. Because fuck him. <laughs> oh no, man. So I, I didn't know Battlefield 2 was... Um, or Battlefront 2. 
was on the store. I have to go get that because I used to fucking love playing. Oh, it's it's just a really fun game. Like it's it's the controls aren't great and it's a bit clunky, but just going through and playing it is really fun. Not to mention you can like just knock into Darth Vader, just crash into yeah. him. <laughs> Tie fighters, take that down. Did I ever tell you what happened when I played the the, the remake of Battlefront One, like the beta, you know, before the dark no. times and everyone. And everyone realised the game was terrible and it was going to be like a, a loot box riddle piece of shit. I did have fun in that beta, to be fair. Yeah, a lot of people did. And when I first signed in, it's uh, the Battle of Hoth. Yeah. And I came in and I was just running around shooting people with my laser and a few people gone. And then it just came up like Darth Vader has entered the battlefield. Someone got like the upgrade to become Darth Vader and oh, I saw yeah. him across the ice. He was like, cause those games, that game is massive, isn't it? You can oh, see people future. coming from a long ass way away. And I saw Darth Vader and I thought, you know what, let's just take a pot shot at him just to see. So I'm there just taking pot shots at Darth Vader who stands out massively on this entirely white <laughs> map in his, like, you know, his big, dumb, plastic black armour. And I sh- took him pot shots at him, no damage, and you just see him like deflecting the blaster bolts just like by default. I'm like, oh wow. That's pretty cool. And then the guy noticed I was shooting at him and started walking towards me. <laughs> and obviously, I'm not worried. It's like Darth is like a mile away. But you have all like the super weird like uh, movement options, don't you? Yes. Like, yeah, all yeah. the forces can jump super far, and like the Emperor can do his like weird Swirl spinning and stuff like, like that. Yeah. So Darth Vader suddenly just starts force jumping towards me. And I'm starting to get scared at this point. And I'm taking more pot shots, I'm throwing grenades. And then, out of nowhere, um, a TIE fighter driven by a guy called Ganja Smoke 27 smashed into Darth Vader <laughs> at 100 miles an hour and instantaneously killed him. Oh, God. <laughs> That's how, this game is amazing. I just witnessed the leader of the Sith, the most powerful user of the force to have ever lived be taken out by a guy called Kanja Smoke 27 oh and then the game ended up being terrible so I didn't play it just never underestimate your enemy Carl <laughs> I want to see that happen in the game in like the movies just someone just crash into Kylo Ren <laughs> how would you stop that no matter how good you are with the force you can't stop getting hit by a car unless you pay attention to the force unleashed where he just rips a star destroyer out of the sky oh man do you know that guy as well who played the um, the apprentice? He's oh, yeah. in Days Gone. Oh, is he? Joe Days Gone, like the game. Yeah, yeah. PS4 soon. Yeah, that's the same guy who played the apprentice in The Force Awakens. Wow. Also, okay, fair enough. Also, um, when that guy's not working and doing that, he does voiceover work for Star Wars, and he's the voice of the Emperor. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I want that on my resume. So he's the emperor. He's also the apprentice, and now he's like dude who fights like wave of zombies. So he's got a pretty good life. Like, he does, yeah. Considered. If he if he just amalgamates them into one character, just this badass zombie destroying Sith Lord, <laughs> he wins. He wins the celebrity <laughs> wars. No, um, as for myself, I've been playing a whole lot of Devil May Cry. I got back from America, and I was like, <coughs> I need to get into that fucking bloody palace. Oh yeah, Bloody Palace. Obviously, it's Bloody Palace. It's just it's combo arena. It's a, this is where I go in to style, and it's good, but there's there's just a lot of like empty space, which is weird for what is amounts to just combat rooms over and over again. Yeah, so, I, I did think it was quite weird. Like I went and played it in Devil May Cry Four when that one was released, and it is a bit weird that it's like oh we've got this giant arena hit fight like two guys. Yeah, that was. Uh, I thought it'd just get progressively more crazy because, like in Devil May Cry Four, 
they do get more difficult as they go along and the hardest fight in that is like room 80 something where they basically make you fight like 60 Bianco Angelos at once oh god and then like uh, and in the special edition that came out because they've um, got the turbo mode from PC they can all appear on screen at once oh yeah of course I forgot and, about the turbo and you're fighting like 60 Bianco Angelos all at once and it's insane and I love that and that was the best part that was the best level I always fought on my up to that level because that mm. I consider that to be the final boss and it's similar in like, like Bloody Palace for Devil May Cry 5 but it's at level 30 and at level 30 you fight like 30 basic enemies at once and then you never really do that ever again for the rest of it it's just like here's one quite tough enemy with like a couple of small enemies backing them up like you never have that thing of just you're like supposed to be the legendary devil hunter fight 500 enemies at once yeah that's a little bit disappointing really yeah and there's a lot of um, levels that are just oh here's the one where you get your health back so here's just three basic enemies that drop health like oh, pretty much right, guaranteed okay. yeah and I found myself thinking like, why don't you just put them to spawn after I've beaten the last wave and then put more enemies on this level yeah exactly I, I, I have heard about the new Devil May Cry 5 that is easier than a lot of the other ones it is, and at which point make the fights more difficult. It's not so much easier as there's just like a lot of um, you have a lot more options. Right. Like okay. The timing window for blo- like loyal guards a lot easier, and mm. like um, a lot of the moves you have are a lot more far-reaching. So at w- which point put more shit in for me to fight. So of the hundred levels you got to fight through, I'd say about a good twenty of them are just filler. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna make the character that you play as more powerful, or at least make the enemies more powerful. The final three fights are the three hardest fights I have ever experienced in a video game. I just got through them, like cheesing it with the super costume, which gives you unlimited devil trigger, which is basically your ultimate power mode. Oh, wow. Even then, I was still struggling to get through it because it makes you fight basically the three hardest bosses in the game back to back. And at the end, yeah. you get a special taunt, which is fun, but I want that to be basically. It feels kind of weird that the ramp up to that just has a lot of um, uh, just not like, sorry, I'm trying to think of the way it word. It's like uh, putting a guitar solo right at the end of a song where there's no build up. Like, do you know, after yeah. it's finished fading out? Like, imagine that, like, the song's just fading out, guitar solo. It's like, I want it to build up to it and that just feels a bit misplaced. Yeah, I feel like they could have done what they did in Devil May Cry 4 and just had like, here's just 500 enemies. Go. Even just basic ones. Just so you're basically constantly having that triple S rank, just yeah. using your most powerful moves over and over again, using like the widest range shit you've got, just styling and profiling over fucking everybody. I think that's one thing that, that I found quite... Yeah, like one thing I found quite satisfying about um, the uh, much-hated Ninja Theory Devil May Cry, the <laughs> DMC, is just the fact that they gave you a lot of moves to either pull enemies into you or pull you towards enemies. Yeah, and it just that. kept that combat flow going. Yeah. You have that quite a bit in uh, Devil May Cry 5, but you have to. With Nero, you've just got Snatch. Just Snatch everyone up. It's like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, you are next to me. I'm going to whoop your ass. I'm going to take you four miles into the sky and just like combo god you forever. Uh, Dante, you've got to teleport to people. It's a bit more of a ball ache. But you never really find yourself in all that much trouble trying to get to the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's just more of a lot. Some A lot of the arenas are quite big. When you're fighting like one enemy... And some of the enemies like to teleport away. Right, yeah, and of course. One of them just so happens to be the most one of the most difficult enemies to kill. 
so they put a lot of them in the later levels. So there's a lot of the later levels where you're just chasing after one enemy oh, that God. has like six times as much health as it slowly runs away, trying to spawn more enemies for you to kill. Yeah, don't don't make it difficult to fight them. Make it them them difficult to like hit. Like, don't don't just make it so that they run away. You know. Yeah, it's still it's still a fantastic mode. I'm loving. It. I'm probably gonna play some after this before I go to the gym. But um, yeah, it's, it's don't get me wrong. I've heard great things about the game. To be yeah, fair, that's me. It, it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, I just felt. Yeah, I, I guess I wanted not so much more of a challenge, just more of a sustained challenge. Because getting to level sixty isn't that difficult when you can basically just walk through it to that point and that's where the real challenge starts and as well that is a mode for the hardcore people who want a challenge yeah it is this is for people to throw themselves at over and over and over again that's what i want so i guess i just wanted it to be more of a ramp up which actually leads us into the conversation we wanted to have today which is a recent argument that's been going on online inspired by the game and i'm going to pronounce this name wrong it's sekiro is that correct? Yeah, I believe it is Sekiro. Was it Sekiro? No, definitely not Sekiro. It's not Sekiro. Okay, it's just Sekiro. Sekiro. Does it have a Does it have um, uh, like a word that goes after it? So I just call it Sekiro. It's Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. That's fucking amazing, and it's a FromSoft game, correct? It is from It's from From Software. It's uh, from Software. Makes of like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, sort yeah. of really famous for. I should say that because obviously. People might be listening to this not know anything about it. So, from software, have a reputation for making bastard hard games. Right, it's like Demon Souls and Dark Souls, and then Bloodborne. And they also, as well, they made like a Mech Warrior game at some point. Yeah, they've, uh, they've had was... a bit of a weird um, backstory. They've made some of the Tenchu like PS2 games as well, stuff like that. Not to mention Ninja Blade. Oh god, that game too, <laughs> which was a game that I remember buying and trading in because it wasn't as good as Ninja Gaiden, but whatever. And I know this because they always put like the Moonlight Great Sword in everything, including in oh, that yeah. Mech Warrior game <laughs> Well, um, yeah. So this developer, they have a reputation for bastard hard video games. I mean, they? the tagline for Dark Souls was literally "You will die." Yeah, it's like, and then you've got the special edition, which is the Prepare to Die edition. <laughs> and like every game they release comes out to like much fanfare for just being incredibly difficult, but at the same time, super rewarding because it's not difficulty for difficulty's sake, is it? No, it's not. It's very challenging, and it's about learning how that game plays and just adapting to each game. I've heard a lot of people say that they've had a lot of trouble because they had the mindset of playing it like... They had the mindset coming into Sekiro that they would play it like Dark Souls. Yeah, and, and that... But Sekiro plays you, you don't play Sekiro. It wants but... you to go in like swords blazing, if you will, and just get right in character's face, parry them, come back at them. It doesn't want you to faff about staying back all the time. Yeah, and that was something that happened with Bloodborne a lot as well, because the Dark Souls games are defense heavy. Very, yeah. Bloodborne, they don't even have a shield. The only shield in the game basically just says on it, um, uh, you can hold this if you want, but it'd be stupid if you tried. <laughs> so it's like the wooden shield, isn't it? That says, this is useless, why would you hold this? Put a gun in your hand instead. So they replaced the shield with a gun. Yeah, so they had a bit of like a kind of like a counter mechanic where you would shoot an enemy as they were vulnerable and it would stop them attacking you. Yeah, and instead you could of get defending, in. yeah, instead of defending, attack because attacking is always better. Yeah. And I loved that. And it's, we, I'd say, almost unique for like a video game like developer, not a series, because these games aren't linked in any way other than the fact that like, I mean, other than like, 
Yeah, Same little nods to each other and stuff. That's Easter eggs, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. But people were going into Bloodborne, playing it like Dark Souls, and then getting annoyed when they didn't play the same, or the same tactics didn't work. And I've never really experienced that with anything else. Obviously, I've gone into fighting games. Like, oh, I've tried to play, like, I'm a big fan of Tekken, so I go into Virtual Fighter or Dead or Alive 6. They don't play the same, and then I realise, okay, this, this is how these games play. I yeah, don't exactly. get annoyed about it. No, you've got to learn to uh, adapt. And I remember um, you actually showed me Dead or Alive. And up until that point, I was just thinking it was a game where there's, you know, all I'd seen was, oh, lots of girls in bikinis and stuff. And I didn't want to play it for that reason. But when you actually showed me the game and showed me all of, like, the counter mechanics and stuff, it's it's really fun, but you can't go in there and play it like another fighting game. No, it's the same, but people go into, like, from software games trying to play them like their previous ones. Yeah, exactly. It makes them unique. And I'm not overly that much of a... I'm sorry, I'm not that much of a fan of their games. They've never really gelled with me. I've played no, through I've, Dark Souls 3. I've, um, I've tried them, but, yeah, again, never really gelled with me. Not my type of game, but I'm going to pick up Sekiro at some point and try that one again because um, yeah. it looks even more offense-based, which will probably draw me in a bit yeah. more. That was always my problem with it, of... Um, I understand like the game mechanics. I understand that what he wants me to do. I just don't like the plodding game style of the first couple of Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. And like that's on me, isn't it? I understand. Like, I can look at them. It's like a piece of art. I can appreciate it from afar, and I know why people like this. It's just not for me. Yeah, it's not that I ever sit there and say that any of those games are bad games. They're just not my style, really. Yeah, I see it's like, because I don't really eat steaks all that much, but I can see a steak and go, that is an aesthetically pleasing piece <laughs> of meat. I can see it cooked and seared, and I can appreciate the effort that goes into making it. I can see, like, you know, the enjoyment people have when they eat that steak, but I'll look at it and go, I'm fine, I don't want it. But Sekiro it. is a fine steak indeed. It is, yeah. And Sekiro might be like, oh, that might be like, oh, is that a piece of salmon? It's like salmon. And that's <laughs> been cooked. So I don't like, I'm getting. My metaphors are like just going off end here, but what I'm trying to say is I don't particularly like the Dark Souls games all that much, but I understand why people would. And mm. I played through number three because that's the one where they basically said, "Okay, fuck it, you can just do anything you want. Like all play styles are viable." Yeah, yeah. And every couple of months, I get an itch where I go back through Dark Souls three and play it with a different weapon. So that's I've, I've had cool. like my, my ultra great sword run, I've had my whip run, my scythe run like my sword run, my dagger run, and every time I go, this is a perfectly like you know, acceptable way to play. Obviously, there are things I could be doing to make it more efficient, but I don't feel that I'm being like Forced punished. into one play style yeah. or something like that, yeah. I don't have to play sword and shield. I can go in with my ultra great sword and just smash everything with three hits, as long as I play carefully or I play the way this weapon wants me to play. So I think Dark Souls is probably my favourite, and I've tried the same thing going back. Again, the mechanics just don't gel with me. But I am interested in Sekiro because the argument it started online. It's an argument that comes out every now and again. It's, are video games too hard? And we should probably preface this, Lucas, by saying, like, we are by no means like video gaming gods. Like, I mean, no. Not, but we, like we both put a lot of time into video games. It's fair to yes. say it's, it's our primary hobby. But at the same time, we are not at the level of all these, like, esports players and professional players and stuff like that. Yeah, if you, um, anyone who's watched one of my streams, you know, self-plug, they'll know I am by no means, like, a god of video games. There are some that I would say I am good enough at where I can put on a show. I can do something that looks cool in that game. Yeah, thing, things like um, 
more versus Capcom 3 on um, Dragon Ball Fighters, you're, you're pretty good at, I would say. I'm not good at them. I'm um, good at you, combos. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're good at showing off on them. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like um, a, a lab fiend in games like that. I'm not very good at actually playing against people, but I love going in and just like testing the mechanics to make the dumbest looking combos possible. And if um, anyone follows uh, Carl on Twitter, you will notice that every now and then you just see a dumb combo that he's come up with on Dragon Ball again. Yeah, here's a thing that you can do in the game. It's completely inefficient and uses seven bars, but it looks awesome. And it's probably got Captain Ginyu in there. Of course it has. Right? You've got to have the style, man. You've got to have the style. But like, I compare this to... Like, so I wanted to say that I'm above average at video games. But yeah, I'd say that. That's the car problem. Are you familiar with this? Um, go through it again for me, because I, no, I probably have, but... In surveys, when they ask drivers, how would you rate your driving skills... The vast majority of people, when asked, will say above average. Right. Because yeah. the majority of people saying they're above average, that becomes the new average. Because, <laughs> because everyone assumes. So I don't really want to say that I'm like above average at video games. So I'm guessing anyone who plays them, like, you know, as a hobby, is going to say that. So I'm going to say I'm competent at video games. Yeah, I think that's a good word to use. It's, it, yeah. By no means are we struggling with most games that we come across. Yeah, and there are some obviously I'm going to throw myself against the wall because uh, either that play style doesn't gel with me or I'm not familiar with it. But I th- I'm confident enough in my ability to play most video games. Yeah, sure. My understanding of how they work and like you know just generally mechanically, and like my understanding of like controllers and stuff. You handed me a controller and a video game, I will probably be able to do okay in it. Yeah, exactly. Mo- most games handle similarly enough that you can just pass me a controller without explaining how to play it and I'll probably know how to play it. Yeah, and then obviously there's something that you might, okay, so what are the specifics of this game? Okay, can you have a parry mechanic, for example, in something like Sekiro? Oh yeah, right, sure. Okay. And so with that in mind, like we can say something like, there are games out there that are too hard. We should probably start by talking about games that have kicked our asses, so we don't <laughs> sound like huge elitist dick lords. And I'm going to start with Dark Souls 3. As I mentioned, I play. I go back through that game every couple of months because I really, really enjoy just like how meaty it feels to like land hits mm. and the look. And I, I love making my character look cool and running around like a scythe and doing like cool scythe combos. That game has kicked my ass multiple times, and I am not ashamed to admit that. Like the final boss in that game, I don't think I've ever beaten. I've got a place. I've got a save file somewhere, and I found out it's because I leveled up too much and then put too much of my stuff into the wrong stats. <laughs> Because I tried to level up evenly, which is apparently not a thing you do in those games. No, I think you're meant to like specialize hard on something. Yeah, go all into strength, go all into dexterity, where I was trying to do both, because I wanted to use every single weapon. And I've been told, we can go back in and then respec doing this, 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 and this. And I've just never been asked to do that, because I have more fun playing through the first three or four hours of the game. Yeah. More recently, Devil May Cry 5 kicked my ass. As a person who's played through all the games in the series and has like completed the hardest mode in each one, the very final fight, which I won't spoil, absolutely whooped my ass multiple times to the point where it took me about three hours to oh, beat it on the regular, like not the regular difficulty, but like the difficulty advised for people who are familiar with Devil May Cry. All right, Just, yeah, sure. But I was having fun. And that's because I was trying to style on the final. And when I realized, okay, not style. Let's just do what the game wants me to do. Hit him when he's open and get one hit, dodge, one hit, one hit, dodge, dodge, dodge. And when I did that, I could beat it. And then when I went back in on the harder difficulty after some more practice, then I could style on him. But yeah, that game absolutely 
whooped my ass. Is only recently that I've done the same thing for you? Um, there's actually one game that I picked up again from Friday, and it's because of a new free update that I had. It was Enter the Gungeon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about this game, but it's um yeah, it's um like roguelike. Uh, yeah, it's like roguelike kind of um, top-down twin-stick shooter kind of vibe. It's all like random levels, random weapons, and things like this. Yeah. Now, I have I've put a good like maybe forty hours into that game, and done hundreds and hundreds of runs. Currently, I have only beaten the the first final boss once. Is it one of them? And it's one of those of you've got to go through with every character, defeat the main boss with each character, then create another weapon, and then you unlock extra characters and extra bosses and all this. I have beaten the first final boss once. Is that because like just twin stick shoot was out of your thing, or is no, it the game itself? That is that is just because the game is quite difficult. And for example, I've played Binding of Isaac a lot, like maybe four hundred hours or so. And they oh, kind yeah. of play quite similarly, and I've I've beaten Binding of Isaac like I think about ninety percent of it now, which is saying a lot because there, <laughs> there is a just a ton in that game. So it's not that I'm unfamiliar with that kind of game and I'm not very good at it or something like that, but it's just a it's very tough. And sometimes I will make you know a silly mistake in one room or there's a certain type of enemy that just gives me a bit of hassle or something like that, and is yeah. it a game where one mistake is death? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so Devil May Cry's like that. Like the final boss, if you make one mistake, he will basically take off half your health far with one hit. And that puts you into the mode of, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then you stop playing. Yeah. And you change your, you shift up your play style to be more defensive, which just means you make more mistakes because you're like overly relying on dodging. And it's just gotten in your head at that point. Yeah. And it's just like game this, over. The AI has gotten into my head. And now he's telling me to get motivated and he needs to get fucked. It's a very oh, strange phenomenon because, like, I'll, I'll be playing a game like End of the Gungeon, for example, and I, I can be fighting a boss and I can make my way through, like, half its health without getting hit. But as soon as that one hit happens, my health bar just starts dropping. You just put on tilt, put on tilt by <laughs> the AI. It's not yeah. great, is it? Like, you're just Vanessa counting your way through, making your way downtown, and BAM! Oh god! Like that's one sword. It just beats your rhythm out of you. Another game, however, that has, I think, beaten my soul at this point. Oh god! Tell me. It's it's not really the game beating me; it's other people. It's Tetris ninety nine. Oh, I've heard. I don't oh, want to play it because I've never been all that good at Tetris. Oh man, Tetris I, I thought I was good. okay at Tetris, and a lot of people did. A lot of people have proved me wrong. Yeah, I've heard this. Have you heard as well? Because obviously, Tetris is like the game. It is like the, the Tetris will exist in some form or another forever. Oh, yeah. Like Call of Duty will come and go. Like Tetris is just like, it's just up there. It's on the pantheon of gaming legend. Like there will always be a Mario game. There will always be a Tetris game. There will always be like, I'm trying to think of a third one, but there isn't. Nope. I was going to say a Sonic game. But I mean, he'll <laughs> technically wait, always be here. No. I know, there will always be a Mario game, there will always be a Tetris game, there will always be a bad Sonic game. Yes, there will be. (laughs) And the thing is, as well, so there's a lot of, like, mums who are playing on their kids' Switches, beating actual streamers. Oh, God. (laughs) There's, like, a highlight reel somewhere that I watched, and I forget who sent me the link, but it's, like, just a highlight reel of, like, high-level Tetris streamers getting beaten 
by people called like, I Love My Kids. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> just mums who were just playing on the sofa or whatever going, oh, I remember this game. And they were just like, they end up being secret gods at Tetris. And they because never they realized. probably put in like 500 hours on the Game Boy. Yeah, I never realised. It's just they don't think of it as a video game. They just think of it as like a fun distraction. Yeah, yeah. And obviously as well, they've got there's a lot of these old these mums who played like a lot of Bejeweled Blitz and all that shit. So they've actually been secretly, unknowingly, training themselves to <laughs> Just think, throughout the years. Yeah, to think in that like, hyper-specific analytical way and train their reflexes to a point where they're just like dons at Tetris who are dunking on actual people who play video games for a living. It is great. but <laughs> I love it. I will say, one of the proudest moments in gaming, I did get one win on Tetris 99. One win. That's like, one. that's when you know a game is good. Where you will play it that much, win once, and still feel good. I looked at the stats after I won, and I'm pretty sure it was like 455 games played at that point. And then one one, And that was one win. <laughs> is this like the um, horse racing win, where if you get second... First, second, is it just first, or can you get first, second, and third? Oh no, it's win? just first. Just first wins. Because I'm gonna guess if they did like, um, like horse racing rules where the person in third still gets technically a win. It oh might, no, the stats no, no, are no. A bit different. Definitely not. And it's quite, it's quite fun as well because you get that moment of like, you've got 99 Tetris players and just junk is flying everywhere. Just everybody is attacking everybody. But then when you get down to that one-on-one at the end. It's so tense. The game you never knew you wanted, 1v1 Tetris. Well, I mean, obviously we've had things like that in in the past. We've got Tetris Attack and stuff like that. But when you've just gone through 97 other people, it becomes so (laughs) unbelievably tense when you know there's just one more person in your way. You've run the Tetris Bloody Palace (laughs) to get to the end for the final boss that just stomps your ass. And it's just a grandma somewhere in America. It might be, you don't know. Just like, I love my kids 27. Just playing on a kid's <laughs> Switch while he's in the bath. You don't know. But that's great as well. I think that highlights, like, you know, just what gaming can be. Like, the games that I got stomped by, it's, oh yeah, like Devil May Cry. It's like um, hyper stylish action um, franchise. And then you're like Tetris. Yeah. It's like, the, the very, like <laughs> basically, I'm saying the latest, greatest game that's come out that looks like it's like, the pinnacle of what video games can look like at the moment. Mm. It's using like that RE engine that makes everything look amazing. And you're saying like Tetris, like basically the first video game that most people know. Oh god, yeah. And yeah. just that's the thing is it's so weird as well because last year we are two Tetris games as being some of the best games of the year. Yeah. Like in twenty eighteen. <laughs> Tetris is not going anywhere. I told you, Tetris no. is eternal. And it's always coming. And I think it highlights as well that video games being difficult has always been a thing. It's I mean, I probably know. more so like in the 80s and 90s when everything was focused on trying to get money out of kids at arcades. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Well, the thing is, that's, we've gone full circle with that, haven't we? Yeah. Video games today are about getting money from kids. They just do it <laughs> in a much more insidious manner. Well, that's, that's a topic for another podcast, but... Yeah, back in the day, they were, they were literally called quarter eaters, weren't they? Like yeah, exactly. Games. Because they desi- the idea was the game can only be like so long. And if you watch any speedrun or any person who's like competent at those old video games, play them. You can complete them in about six minutes. And obviously, if they know they've only got six minutes worth of content, they, mm. the only way to really stretch that out is to make it just bastard hard. 
And yeah, exactly. Because if if a kid can just walk up to an arcade cabinet, beat it with one quarter, and walk away, then you know, that's a shitty. No one's going to get anything like, out of it. Yeah, it might be actually. You no, know, it could be a good game, but it's a shitty arcade game because no fucker is going to put that in their like I don't know amusement arcade. Cause yeah, it's exactly. Not gonna, it's not a moneymaker. Um, there's a really like if you can track them down, people listening, there's like really cool like pieces of like um, retro. I guess like paraphernalia. I don't know what the word would be. Like collectibles. It's the the little things they used to send out to arcade owners for new oh, arcade right, okay. games. And one of the things they used to do is like, oh, here's how much money it will make because the game is so hard. And mm. there's like ones for like Mortal Kombat and stuff, saying like infinite replayability. Nobody can beat Shao Kahn. Stuff like <laughs> that. And it's just like the reason this you should buy this game is one, it's fucking awesome. Two, like no kid's ever going to beat it because then they'll put more money in. And that's the thing. They yeah. did the same thing with all those old game arcade games. Like, but even when you would... have like our, you know, the NES games and SNES games, they were still based on systems of lives and high schools and stuff. Because again, there Between... wasn't much content, and they just wanted it to be replayable. Yeah, it's like artificially increasing the length of the game via difficulty, which is, yeah. I think it's a trope. But I don't know the actual name of the trope. I'm gonna look it up now because it would be a good thing because I can bring up some examples. So I think it's like. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, this this is going to show up on my. Can you hear it? Oh yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is this this is the quality new mic that I've got. Artificial difficulty in games, tropes. Oh look at that. Thing is, well, I've got a really bad mic. Not really, I've got a really bad keyboard. It's just like the basic Logitech one I got with it. So my and typing every is type is just good. a thud. Anyway, the TV show is fake difficulty because so I think it's really good. It's um here there are five kinds of fake difficulty in addition to the computer is a cheating bastard subcategory of this so these i think um, a lot of these old arcade games fell into one of these five and that is bad technical aspects making it difficult oh, for yeah, example, sure. making a dif- making a difficult jump is real difficulty making that difficult jump under overly complicated control scheme i.e. horrible jumping mechanics or an abrupt mid-air change of camera angle mm-hmm. is fake difficulty the outcome is not reasonably determined by the player's actions Unlocking the door by solving the puzzle is real difficulty. Unlocking it by pressing a button until you get the right number is not. Yep. So that's why you get stuff like um, arcade games where it's like, um, just like win a prize and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, I hate those. Like, oh, yeah, you've got everyone's got a chance to be a winner. It's all like, no, it's predetermined by the computer. Denial of information critical to progress. Like, oh, progress, that's the terrible. Progress. There we go. <laughs> um, this isn't so much arcade games, but obviously it's. Um, this was later games in this. Like, a reasonable game may require a player to use information, clues, or logic to proceed. Withholding that relevant information so, such, such that the player cannot possibly win without a guide, walkthrough, or trial and error is fake difficulty. So I think a lot of those old games did have some um, trial and error in them, didn't they? I think a lot of them did, yeah. And... It's like, oh, you go jump over this hole and you don't realise that you can't make the jump and then you die. So oh, thanks. Thank you. And then you got to put another quarter into play. Then we've got and then, the outcome of the game is influenced by decisions that were not uni- that were uninformed at the time and cannot be undone. So a game that offers uh, a joke character and is a clear about the character's weakness has real difficulty. A game that disguises a joke character as a real one has fake difficulty. And then so that's be like something like Dan in Street Fighter. And yeah, then, sure. Obviously, he's very obvious like, by the fact he's wearing like his pink gig and his like fireballs terrible. That character's crap. But there are other games where I think it's hard to come up with them. Well, and on TV Tropes' main page right now, I could click some of these like blue letters to find out what they're talking about. But then this podcast will be seventeen hours long, <laughs> so I'm going to resist the urge to like you know. I think we should like, resist uh, that. Yeah. 
to wiki dive on 3v tracks. But the final one is the game requires the player to use skills or knowledge that are either incorrect or have nothing to do with the game. Right, so an example of a good one of these, a football game that requires you to describe the position that Jerry Rice played for power-ups is real difficulty. A football game that describes requires you to describe the position that Jerry Rice played to get a power-up and assumes the answer is quarterback, or one that forces you to do a multivariable calculus in order to train your starting lineup is fake difficulty. Not to mention just plain stilly, even though that last one would be kind of cool. Can you, like, from hearing these explanations... Can you hear that a lot of TV tropes was written by um, cracked writers? I mean, yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know it, a... but when you say it, it, that makes a lot of sense. Like the overly convoluted explanations that yeah. try to be funny. Like you can tell a lot of like um, um, cracked writers who didn't weren't very good came to TV tropes. <laughs> TV tropes let you add anything. That's a little bonus fact for people that I thought I'd let everybody know. But yeah. Like, Fake difficulty was like a huge thing back in like you know the early days of gaming. Like I said, either it was like making the game just artificially difficult to complete, giving you an arbitrary number of lives, or it's like making enemies incredibly difficult to kill. And that yeah, I mean like why when you're not putting money in it would Super Mario Bros have lives other than just to make the game more difficult and make you have to start again a lot. Yeah. And at the same time, I think Mario handled it because like Mario games never felt unfair. Like, no, they are difficult, nothing... but they're not unfair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's like, but it is an example of like fake difficulty because artificially limiting the amount of lives you had did make the game harder. Mm-hmm. And because you had to start all over again as well. Yeah, but at the same time, that increased the longevity of the game. And I think the argument that a lot of people have had more recently is that as gaming technology, that was like a limitation of the hardware and the fact the games weren't very long. Mm-hmm. And they did that to try and get as much enjoyment out of the game as possible. In today's climate, where you don't need to do that. Like games don't need to have arbitrary life systems, like you know, to pad out their runs. Yeah, sure. Because the games, like the stuff you put in the onto the discs, there's enough space on there to fit a full game. And you know, games are are big enough for the most part now that you can get hundreds of hours out of them. Yeah, but at the same time, I still like there is a place for like lives and power ups and like you know continues. Totally. One, it could be like retro. Like Mario games still have a lot of lives, but I think they're a lot more lenient in how they're used. Like they throw lives at you in the new, newest Mario games, don't oh, they? Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of like um, like very, very easily um, abusable glitches and stuff like that. You can just end up with 99 lives very quickly. Usually in the first couple of levels yeah. as well. And then as well, like, I think they're, they're very lenient with like continues, and it will usually take you back to the start of the world. Mm-hmm. And the worlds have like four levels in. So, And then there's lo- usually like power-up houses everywhere, so... You can't really argue that the game's like artificially making the game more difficult. It's just we want you to have a certain level of skill to progress. And if you don't have the skill to progress to this level, you probably won't be able to have the skill to progress to the next set of levels. Yeah, and it is a very low barrier for entry for most. Yeah, and um, like, so there is a place for stuff like that. And I'm not really sure on what side of the argument I fall in regards to like, video games being too difficult. Because I just like I mentioned earlier I want some games to be harder but I know like if Bloody Palace was basically it kicked your ass from level one like I'd love that I would absolutely like that would be heaven for me I would live inside that game <laughs> for the rest of my life like I would put VR goggles on to go live in that world because like I am a masochist in like you know when it comes to Devil May Cry and mm-hmm. I will throw myself against the wall for hours just to do the cool shit but that oh, would gotcha. be a very unfun game 
for a lot of people because they are not going to see about 80% of that. So I think that's where the argument comes in for things like difficulty modes. So I think you can you can get Devil May Cry and you can play on that. I can't remember the name, but there's a mode where like, no, I was going to go the the other extreme first, where you can die in one hit, but all of the enemies have regular health. Yeah, that's Um, uh, heaven and hell. Is that not hell and hell? Heaven and hell is where everyone else can die in one hit, isn't it? No, no, hell and hell is where you can die in one hit, but every enemy. Um, has full maximum health. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's um, the mode for like the masochists out there who want like I want to royal guard my way through this level. But there is a there's, there is a difficulty like level. In, there's difficult levels in Domicam, but not in Bloody Palace. The closest thing oh, you right, get okay. is the super costumes, which basically mean you have unlimited power ups. But to unlock that, you have to complete the game on the hardest difficulty. So that's an option that's only available to people who are good enough at the game. So that's not really much of a, an answer for people who find Bloody Palace too hard. No. And there is like easy style mode, which mm. does help, um, which uh, basically means some of the more difficult um, inputs for moves are lessened and it does them automatically. And things like charging up your gun or um, powering up your sword, which is like a mechanic you can do in game, are done automatically. So similar to kind of like how auto-combing works in fighting games and stuff like that. Yeah, so something like it's similar to that, but even then, like I've tried that mode on, and it doesn't help. Because if you can't dodge, you are going to get hit. And right, yeah. At later levels, those enemies will do enough damage to like kill you in three. So even then, like there's only so much you can help a person who needs it. But as we say, um, that is only in Bloody Palace mode, so that is oh, yeah. kind game of a itself, bit of a different can... setup. Of course, yeah. But I was using it as an example because the game itself does have difficulty modes, which is one of the arguments mm-hmm. people want and stuff. Like Sekiro, which would obviously be jumping off point for this conversation. People want it to have an easy mode. Yeah, every time a front software game comes up, everyone's... Um, there was a big discussion on the internet about whether those games should have easy modes or not. And I think it's... Um, I don't want to like speak at a, a turn or like put words in anyone's mouth, but I, I'm almost positive there is like a quote from someone high up in the company saying that's not how we make our games. Yeah, and I think it I, I, you've got to respect them. Fair enough. I don't think that adding an easy mode would harm anyone's enjoyment playing the game. It would open up the game to more people, but the guys at From Software have a very clear vision for what they want to make with their games. They and do. that is a creative choice that they are making. And they are entitled to make that. And obviously we don't some, some people don't like it, and obviously some people can't enjoy those games simply mm-hmm. because that the difficulty is so high. And like I do, like I feel for those people because obviously, like, I've, as I mentioned, like those Dark Souls games have kicked my ass. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm someone who loves video games, and that happened because I didn't fully understand until like I looked it up on a wiki what the stats did. Like, I understood strength. Okay, mm-hmm. so strength, obviously, the stronger you are, you pick up the big swords. Dexterity. It makes you faster. It lets you use like you know weapons that require that. Like I didn't realize that. Oh no! Like putting certain stats also have like um, they affect like your equip load and stuff like that. Or they have like a marginal effect on stats and stuff like. And I get the idea of not explain. I'm sorry. I don't understand why that's not explained in game. Yeah, it, just... it frustrates me a lot when it's uh, mechanical things like that where they're it, they're just not explaining how the game plays. Like I, I understand if they want to not tell you every single move that the player has available to them or something, but when they don't explain how stats work. Yeah, they want to encourage experimentation and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, that's fine. 
but I don't get why. Why can't you just give me a number? Like you can toggle on or off, just telling me what. And I think in Dark Souls it does show you what your it affects your stats. Mm-hmm. Like put, when you put up one of your stats, it shows you what your effects or your various things. But I didn't know what like um, like equip load did. So until looks and went, okay, they're like if you heavily equip, you have a fat roll, which is slower and has less invincibility frames. And you can argue, yeah, you can like you can gather that from just playing the game and seeing your character physically rolls faster. Mm-hmm. But it'd be nice to just have confirmation. Like one yeah. way or the other, what exactly these things do, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I play video games a lot, so I just I just typed it on my laptop. Okay, Dark Souls and then stats and just a quick rundown. Okay, this is fine. I know this does this, this does that. And if I want to play this way, upgrade this, 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 and this. But again, there shouldn't have to be that step of going onto the internet and trying to find that out. Yeah, it should be able to I... be found in the game in some sort of way. Yeah, not everyone is going to make that logical leap in their head because some people mm-hmm. will try it they'll obviously they'll bounce off the game and stop playing it and there are people out there who I've seen like who are very vocal about the fact like, those people should not play the game then and I'd argue that well, maybe they'd enjoy it if they understood it yeah yeah like it's not the difficulty that's actually getting that it's not the difficulty that's making that person not want to play this game it's the fact that it's very obtuse and hard to get into yeah I think that that's two very separate things I think if a game is too hard for somebody, it's very easy to keep playing the game and get better at it, but you can't get better at understanding what a, an obtuse skill does, you know what I mean? Yeah, especially when the like the game is like, it's, 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 it's like translucent. Mm-hmm. You can see through it and see what things do, but it's just a bit murky and it'd be nice to just have like confirmation from the game itself. Yeah, a bit of feedback like, or a bit of explanation on what everything does. I understand like that's um, like some people see that as hand holding, which is why you just put that as like maybe put it as an option. But yeah, that's the thing. Um, for example, one nice uh, thing that they added in Zelda games when they remade um, like um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask for the 3DS, they added in like video tutorials for a lot of sections that you can be stuck on. But you have to like find this little statue, go into the statue. And then it'll give you explanations for where to go and or what to do if you're stuck. Yeah, but you have to seek option, yeah. that thing out. It's, it's completely optional things. Like, yeah, exactly. Speaking, in, speaking of Nintendo, um, there's a great story recently where the how to play section of Smash Bros. was so difficult to find, Nintendo had to release a guide on how to find it. <laughs> so they had to release a guide on how to find the how to play section of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Well. And that's something. I it's like it's obtuse game design that doesn't mm-hmm. need to happen. That's like obviously because the game is being made by people who play games for a living and like intricately understand like the Switch and its ecosystem. And the I way think it plays. as well, it like you obviously find that argument. Obviously, you want the game to be play tested by people who know what they're doing. But if everybody knows what they're doing, things like that never come up in a conversation. Exactly. Yeah, and like you've got to remember, what about if a kid's getting this for his birthday? Yep. So of course you like there's me and you like the. the Mid twenties adults who are buying it and immediately just going in, just dunk on each other in three stocks. <laughs> what about the little kid who gets it? He wants to play. He likes Pikachu. Yeah, like, he just he wants to, to see how Mario and Pikachu can have a fight together. But yeah, yeah, it's just little obscure things like that. But I think the argument that I find, which is very strange, is that these a lot of these people complaining would really like to get into Dark Souls, but my argument. So the opposite is kind of like 
okay, these games, as I say, the creators intended them to be very difficult, but there are plenty of other games to try. It's not like Dark Souls is the only game out there. Yeah, and and so there I, are plenty of games that aren't ridiculously hard for you to go and play. Exactly, and so as well use like my example of children. At most Dark Souls games rate like 15 anyway. Yeah, I think they're probably like 15 or 18s, something like that. See, so you can use the argument like kids aren't going to be playing these games, and like children, like I'll say, I, my sister has been able to like beat me consistently at a lot of games since she was like 12 years old. <laughs> I'd say kids just have little hands, so like they don't have the manual dexterity of, like, say, someone who's a little bit older. So you can make games designed or intended for an older audience, like, more difficult, like, mechanically. Yeah, there should uh, still be, there should be something there for people who may be new to them or maybe just getting back into it. Because I remember, like, playing Halo 5. Like, if anyone's watched any of our videos or listened to this podcast before, I, I fucking love Halo. Like, Halo 3 was my jam. I've got thousands of hours on that game. But when I played Halo 5, I found that game difficult to play because they added um, two new systems into it, which they... With, like, the uh, the boosting and stuff like that. The boost, they added boost, sprint, and then, like, um, a, a way to switch grenades or something like that. And basically, they put in some new things that needed new buttons mm-hmm. to press. They changed the button layout. Yeah, they did. And then yeah. when I went into the thing, like, okay, I don't like this layout because this isn't how I played Halo. Mm. Can I change it? Can I change the grenade to go back to being um, like what's left trigger? Like? Left trigger. Like that, yeah. Can I put like um, the uh, melee to be B? And I looked, and there is a setting to do that. It's like the recon setting, mm-hmm. and then there's a one that makes the gameplay like Call of Duty. There's another one, but they are preset settings. And I found something like, well, what about if I don't want to use one of these? Yeah, that really bugs me in games when, like, as you say, Halo does that. It has like. Um, the the bumper jumper and southpaw and recon and stuff like that. But, I should, yeah, but I should if you have the option, yeah, you should just have the option to just button map anything you want on any game, really. And that should be standard in every single game. And that leads me into like obviously, we can get back into like difficulty and stuff. But like, um, there's a difference between difficulty and accessibility. Oh, if you can't physically yeah. play a game, like that's like, and you say you can't play like. That's not you complaining about it being hard. That's you complaining that the game isn't giving you a fair chance to play. Yeah, of course. And and that's why all button mapping is standard. And like first, use the example of first-person shooters, Overwatch, and mm-hmm. like comprehensive button mapping where you can make you can make whatever button do whatever the fuck you want. And the story that I love, I looked up specifically for this podcast, and it's um, of a young lad who had a cerebral palsy, obviously, which is like severely limits his movement and his ability to play video games. And yeah, he like, sure. put a post on like the Reddit for um uh, Blizzard like for Overwatch, like for Blizzard admins mm-hmm. and they responded to saying like, Oh, I've got cerebral palsy and like I'm mostly limited in the games that I can play. But I liked Overwatch because I saw that like, there's a lot of characters played differently. Yeah. And at first I thought I could only play like the big characters. I thought I could only play like Reinhardt. Like, I had to play big characters with, like, big normals. and like, don't Yeah, a bit, much, like, bit no slower and stuff like that. Not so much finesse. And then he said, but then I realised I can map the buttons however I want. And I got my first ever snipe in a game because I could customise the buttons in a way that I felt comfortable using the controller. And I got a headshot. And it's like, yes, yeah, that's that is beautiful. it. That is exactly... That every game should have this. Because I want everyone, even if they're not in a scenario as extreme as that, to have that um, uh, moment of... I got my first night. I did the cool thing. Yeah, exactly. And you shouldn't ever be at the point where you're stopping someone from trying a game. Yeah. And I um, feel like to, 
in Dark Souls, like something like um, just not explaining basic mechanics, mm-hmm. is like it's similar to that where you are stopping people from enjoying the game for the sake of just being obtuse. Yeah, it's no not making a difficult game. It's making a game that's difficult to start getting into. Yeah, like the actual mechanics aren't difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. Like when I, but I had to just go onto a wiki and look up how they worked. Yeah, the, the fun, satisfying just... part of those games and the reason that people really get pulled into them is the satisfaction of fingering out how the... the fi- fi- I thought you said fingering out. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to finger out the bosses. Yeah. <laughs> but just, just learning like the bosses' movements and patterns, and I think that's the real draw to those games is learning the flow of the combat and learning how to react to each boss and get to a point where you know what they're going to do and when you finally beat those bosses that's where the satisfaction comes in it's not through learning what dexterity means yeah that's what I mean and so by not explaining that all you're really doing is just alienating potential viewers obviously there mm-hmm. are again there are people I'm hoping not listening to this because I hope I don't have fans like that but people who would hear that argument and just get really irate and just say like the the, the, the sentence that Dark Souls spawn like get good and that's an argument in some cases, but not all of them. Yeah, and we've seen really good pushes lately, to be fair. Um, things like Microsoft's adaptive controller. That, that is just fantastic. And it's something that me and you don't need to be using, but it's I'm just it a exists. great option for other people. And we've seen pushes from um, people like Able Gamers just to try and make people more aware of the situation. That's it's something that doesn't really cross a lot of people's minds if they don't have to deal with the problem. Um, Similar but, to how we just talked about Smash. Where yeah. They never see. They never thought that people not being able to navigate the menu would be an issue. Because they and were all they used realized, to the menus. And then after the fact, they realised, holy shit, people who are using the Switch for the first time don't know how to navigate the menu. They don't know how to figure out where the, like, the thing we made for them is. Mm-hmm. And I think like... Just having that in your mind when, like, maybe making a video game would be it just make the medium just better as a whole. Yeah, and I think that's why you see a lot of people only sticking to mobile games and not calling themselves proper gamers and stuff, and they want to alienate themselves from that that term is because they will enjoy the simple like one button touch on a phone, but then as soon as they have a, a pad thrust of them with like 12 different buttons on and not, not nothing is explained and you're just meant to make that change from a simple tap on the screen to an entire pad full of buttons and sticks. Like If there isn't that process of explaining how to make that step, it just... Yeah, and we've all seen that video or we've all seen the person who's played a, like a first-person shoot for the first time Mm-hmm. And they do the thing; they walk forward and then they aim. Yeah, because they don't understand like physically how you're supposed to do that. And like, it's easy to laugh at that, which I've done many times. I've handed my mum like a controller when I was playing Halo, and she walks into a corner and throws a grenade around. Mm-hmm. Me. It's hilarious. And I, but like, as I've gotten older, I realise like there's a lot of people out there who probably would do that, and that's because it's literally the first time they've ever done it. And I've spent thousands of hours like honing this movement. Exactly, yeah. And I remember, um, I believe it was a review that came up recently, uh, started doing the rounds again, and it was a a little uh, screenshot of a review for an Aliens game back around uh, about 2000, I think it was. And it was talking about how, so you know, for example, 
the, the way that twin stick shooters work now. You know, you've got movement yes. on the left stick and aiming on the right stick. It talked about how that control scheme was a completely barbaric way to do movement in a yeah, first-person shooter. That. And it's just, we had to have that learning curve at some point. And the thing is, we all grew up with it. Like, mm-hmm. We grew up with the era of first-person shooters to the point now where that control scheme has been like it's been refined to the point where if you can play one first-person shooter on a controller or a keyboard and mouse, you could play every first-person shooter, exactly. basically. Bar the, like, the whatever silly mechanic they're putting, like, in Titanfall, like, the sliding mechanics or Call of Duty, whatever fucking shit they're adding to that. Oh, yeah, each game's got their own spin, but you can pretty much pick one up and know what, what button does what. Exactly, and then to think the idea of looking at people who don't understand that because they didn't have, like, this, that... Like, you know, basically several year um, just learning mm-hmm. period and to like to discount their like um, like complaints about it being like, you know, maybe too difficult to get into because it doesn't explain how the mechanics work is it's kind of silly to think about. Because when I was a kid and my brother handed me the controller and I got my ass kicked, I remember that feeling really unfair. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling really unfair when my older brother would like play me at video games that I didn't know how to play and he'd win and then he'd gloat like an asshole. And I'm oh, yeah. thinking like, and the same people who had that, and I'm guessing that's a, a, a feeling a lot of people had. And it's weird to think that some people have grown up and now they are in that position of being like the gloating asshole, mm-hmm. making fun of the person who doesn't, like playing a game for the first time or playing something they're not familiar with, not understanding how it works. Yeah, exactly. They've had thousands of hours of practice and they've had zero. And one, one thing that I always remember is um, playing a game of FIFA back in the day with my dad. Yes. And he just, you know, it, he's a fan of football and he wanted to have a match with me. And I tried to explain the controls. But there were so many different um, controls in that game because of all the different circumstances you're in. Whether it's yeah, like a throw-in or a free kick or a penalty corner. and Off-the-ball control. Yeah, and I remember I scored against him. I think it was like with a free kick. And I did use like one of the special... Um, controls at some point and he was like oh I didn't know you could do that that's cheating and I was like well no it's not cheating it's part of the game but to him I hadn't been able to explain every single control scheme in every different situation to him yeah it basically is cheating because Because I haven't been able to explain yeah so and it's like like, it's not technically correct but that person is right to feel that way because they have basically been they have been cheated yeah, they haven't been cheated by the game, but they've been cheated because I couldn't correctly explain every intricate detail of the controls before we started playing. And for people who play a lot of video games, they probably have the same thing of mm-hmm. that's bullshit, of just getting hit off screen by something they weren't warned about mm-hmm. or didn't have like proper time to react to. And just imagine that feeling just forever the moment you picked up the controller until you put it down. Yeah, exactly. Just constantly getting bombarded by things you don't understand. And like, I don't think it's a bad thing, or even that much to ask to say. Maybe like the, the exceptions of like you know, hyperspeed exception for other things like um, arena shooters and things like that. Games that are specifically intended for like as fans of this thing. Like yeah, a very you, specific fan base and audience. Yeah. Like oh, I can update. Like, I'd say like um. Uh, I don't know, fucking expansion pack for a game that already comes out. Like, you don't need to mm-hmm. explain the mechanics in that because there's a there's an understanding that say like 
an expansion pack for Skyrim. You know what Skyrim is. You know the mechanics. Yeah, if you're getting to the point where you're playing that expansion pack, you you understand the game at that point. Yeah, or like an arena shooter or something like. You're mm-hmm. playing this game because this is the genre. You like the genre. Yeah. But no other game really has an excuse for not, at the very least, explaining the basic mechanics and how everything works. Like even the thing is, turn that off. You can turn that option off. Mm-hmm. So that was the complaint a lot of people had. Like was in the re- most recent Pokemon games that was too much handholding. There should always be a way to avoid it. I I agree. Like starting a game and just being bombarded with half an hour tutorial level. Just oh. yeah, I remember, in Pokemon Sun and Moon, it's like it's basically the first half of the game. The first like island is just handholding, and oh god, it's it's. I remember getting annoyed. Slow. And this, it's here for a reason. It's here for people who are playing. This is their first Pokemon game. This series is like twenty years old. Mm-hmm. There are people who weren't alive when I was playing Pokemon Red. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, they they need and as well. There's a lot of mechanics to get through. Because obviously for me, it's one new mechanic, two new mechanics. Yeah, for each game, there's a slight addition. But obviously, when you've never played a previous game, every single part of that game is new to you, not just the one new addition. And those games are overwhelming in the amount of mechanics there is. And and at the same time, for people who need the the, the accessibility options, just like, here's how the game works, there should absolutely be one for people who are returning to just say, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'll... Leave the tutorial screen here. I'll come back to it for something that I know that's new to me or like something I don't mm-hmm. understand. But I don't need this. I think as well, um, things like fighting games often, not always, often do that quite well of here's the the training mode and each different mechanic is broken down for you to just try that one thing out. So if I understand X, Y, and Z, then... I don't have to go and learn about all of those things before I get to the part that I want to learn about. Fighting games, though, are usually quite bad because, obviously, they're largely competitive and usually against another person. Mm -hmm. So the games can teach you what each move does. Like, oh, this button does this, this combination of buttons does this. Um, But what they usually have a a terrible reputation for is telling you situations to use that move. Yes. So you can tell that this kick does this much damage. It won't tell me when to use that kick and there are so many times in a fighting game where i've come across a move or an option that i just thought was completely useless until somebody has used it in a very specific scenario that it's made for and that's the problem obviously that's not really something i'd ever want to get into a discussion about how to fix because that is just how do you explain like in a tutorial in a game that's going to be designed for everybody how to react to like the infinite um, variation of just like human personality yeah, it's exactly. impossible so it's it's something that I think games should strive towards but I don't blame them for like falling short of no it's, it's because... always going to be a difficult subject to approach but I think that especially in terms of like game testing level um, developers should be a bit more open with who they're selecting they I know absolutely just get, I know for example in. Ubisoft um have made a push where they've brought a lot of disabled games in um, and they've tried figuring out accessibility issues with um, certain disabilities in that way and that's a, a really good move but I think as you say like bringing like the devs mom to figure out what doesn't work for somebody who's never played a game before and things like that well, that's the yeah it's the comes back it's reminds me of like a quote by I think it is Einstein where it says you're not an expert on a subject, so you can explain it to a five-year-old. Mm. That shows like true mastery of like um, the knowledge that you have. 
And it should be similar to a video game thing, right? Like the game can't be considered perfect or like intuitive or whatever until someone who's never played a video game can pick it up and be competent at it in a while. Mm-hmm. But like that, obviously, that's not going to happen with every game, but it should be something that they at least think about. Because I oh, yeah. this as well. I want more people to play video games. I want the the medium to be more popular. I want more money going into it. I and want more video I, games. Being as I say, I like more about video games. I agree completely. And as I said earlier, there's so many people that do play games that don't identify themselves as gamers because there is that like stigma to it and there is that jump in terms of like accessibility and things like that and difficulty like there is that barrier of entry and there is an innate hostility from people who like self-identified like gamers air quotation marks like the biggest ones that have been made i mean let's get into that and let's get back to sekiro and talk about like the various arguments like on the other side of to what we've discussed for like an easy mode because there is like a very it's a small but incredibly vocal minority of people who respond to the idea of like an easy mode being implemented just like just, just venom and mm-hmm. just like hostility towards the person who suggests it it's very strange to me the idea that people don't want anybody else to enjoy what they enjoy yeah, I don't want more money going towards this thing that I enjoy. It's like that's the stupidest argument I've ever fucking heard, mate. Mm-hmm. It's like if anything, like you, like the reason that I like I love Pokemon and I'm happy they have all those like hand holding bits in because that means every time they release a new Pokemon game, it sells gangbusters and gets like eighty million copies, like shifted, which means they'll release a sequel, which means I get more Pokemon. Yep, yeah, and I have a lot of issues with how Pokemon is going at the moment. Exactly, we've but, just talked about them, haven't we? Yeah, but, yeah, but more, you know, for example, thing I like. like, it is good that people can just pick up and play those games, but as we said, you exactly. know, there should be options for people who have already played the game before. Exactly, but at the same time, the fact that there's so many people can play those games means that that's like one of the most popular mm-hmm. series on the planet. Like, that is just, it's just this world phenomenon. Oh yeah, and I don't sit here going, I wish children weren't able to play Pokemon games. I can like get annoyed a... when I see them like not understand the game, but then I'm, I have to go into my head and go, okay, I've got 20 years of knowledge this like this young mm-hmm. child does not have. Like my frustration is it the fact that like I'm just being an ass. Like, yeah. I don't get why anyone would a thing they enjoy to the point they will defend it with like you know such like ferocity that they yeah. actively want it to make like less money and be less popular. They want it to just be their thing. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people um, see it as. It's it's kind of their thing and their identity. They don't want it being taken away by other people, but it is... Or cheapened, maybe. Yeah, I think... Uh, but why would having an easy mode then affect your enjoyment of the game? That's It's just something yeah, I don't understand. Does. Devil May Cry 5 has human mode which I have not touched and probably will never touch unless I want to just go through and just style on all the enemies. Yeah. And the fact that thing's in there doesn't impact my enjoyment of the game anyway because I didn't even notice it was an option. It doesn't doesn't stop the harder modes from being hard for you still. It doesn't, no. And at the same time, the harder modes don't stop the easy modes being any easier. Yeah. But there are only a few arguments that I can see as being like somewhat legitimate and one is like, if they think about if they have to make the game easier in some ways, obviously that can take up development time. Like accessibility options, that's yeah, sure. There's a distinction. Accessibility options are different to easy mode. Like accessibility, like making stuff like putting 
colorblind options in, putting subtitles in for people who are hard of hearing, putting in just like control mapping for people who may not have like full mobility. That is not the same thing. That is something all games should have. Because... It, yeah, totally. And at the end of the day, if they have all of those options, more people are going to buy the games and they will allow themselves yeah. more developers or more development time to work on things like that anyway. So yeah, they counteract each other. Yeah, but difficulty is just like, okay, everyone's on the same level playing field, go. Mm-hmm. And then someone just trips over and says, oh, this race is too hard, make it easier. Obviously, then, okay. I understand if it's um, an online multiplayer game or something like that. Like, yeah, fair enough. If you are playing, you know, World of Warcraft and someone can pick easy mode, which then makes it easier for them to kill you and do raids yeah. better and stuff like that, that. That's not fair on anyone else. That's not fair, but when it's a, a game where you're all in your own game world like Sekiro, like, I don't understand... Yeah, who gives a fuck about that? Yeah, I don't understand the need to not have an easy mode. And but obviously then you can say, well, it affects the developer's vision. They have a very, we've mentioned they have a very distinct vision for what those games should be, and they shouldn't be forced to compromise it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to, they shouldn't have to. And that's, that's where I draw the distinction between accessibility and difficulty, right? Yeah. If there were people who had the complaint of, like, I am deaf, and I can't hear the subtitles or whatever, and like, and that was affecting their ability to play, then I'd say, okay, hang on, I've got a point. Like, yeah, then at that point, not saying, you would... You would really say that those things need to be in the game so people can actually play it, and that's a fair enough argument. But... Yeah, or, if, or if the person says like, "Well, I've only got like, I haven't got full mobility, mm-hmm. and it's really difficult for me to reach my hand over the controller to press this button. If I could remap the controller, I'd better play it this way, but I can't. Again, that's completely legitimate. That has nothing to do. With diff- the game is being made artificially difficult for that one person. Yeah, exactly. And, I got a great tweet about it the other day. I'm going to read out. I've been looking it up like, like succinctly, apparently, <laughs> on my phone, secretly. And it's this dude uh, at Villain Dickers, which is a fucking great name. And he just basically summed it up in a tweet. I was talking about this yesterday. It's like accessibility is not about whether you can beat a game, it's about if you can play a game. The game is supposed to be hard. This is about Sekiro, um, even for people with disabilities. But actually, playing the game shouldn't make it even harder for them. And I use that as a jumping off point to compare like video games to um, uh, like training wheels on a bike mm-hmm. oh, sorry accessibility to, like training wheels on a bike like you should always have the option to have training wheels on like and for people who want maybe like are comfortable riding a bike mm-hmm. maybe so they've not ridden a bike in a while maybe like they just don't have like you know the ability to like balance properly like those training wheels should be there as the option and that means they can then but the thing is you've still got to pedal that bike Oh yeah. And if you can't go, if you can't go as fast as someone else, that's not that's there's not really much they can do about that, is there? Like you've got all the help they can give you, you still need to do something. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a person without those training wheels is probably going to have more control over that bike than you, because yeah. obviously the game mechanics, like they they understand them enough where they don't need to have certain things like gimps or whatever to stop them enjoying them fully. Mm. And it's saying that you can, as well, you can't complain that that person's doing a backflip because they haven't got the training wheels on. That because their sight, yeah. yeah, even it's, the person with the training wheels on could do something like that. Yeah, it's a messy metaphor, but I think it's just like I'm trying to think of a game to compare it to now. Like, I'm just going to keep jumping back to Devil May Cry because obviously that's the one I have played the most recently. And you have training wheels in the form of that auto combo mode mm-hmm. where you you press like triangle, triangle, triangle. Your character will do a really cool combo. 
it'll get your style meter up, it'll do a lot of damage. But you're still going to get hit. And the game can't make it easier for you to dodge. Like, you still have to put in some effort to enjoy that game. Yeah. Like, you can't just like just basically hack and slash your way through. You, it requires some tactile input to be able to like, you know, play competently to get past certain things. Yeah, you've still and got to have same, that finesse and control over the character. But you have that option there to help you in case you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And, until you, and if you want to leave those training wheels on, because you're not confident or you just find it easier, or perhaps you just want an easy ride, that's fine. But at the same time, like in Devil May Cry, you can do a whole lot of cool shit in that game. But if you have that training mode, or that easy style mode on, it actually stops you from doing it because it overrides your inputs. Yeah, exactly. The only way to do the really cool shit is to turn that mode off. And take the training wheels off, obviously. Now you can go just as fast as the person with them, but you you can do more cool shit. Mm -hmm. That's it. it. It's it's a messy metaphor, but I think it's one that is comparable in a way. No, I, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm talking so much about bicycles. Because you just, <laughs> you just love those bikes, Scott. That is, yeah. But, I've not ridden one in years. But it's that, that's the way I see it. It's like accessibility options. They're like training wheels. Mm-hmm. It's like they're there for people who need them or want them. But you should be able to take them off. And if you have them on and you see and you you see someone doing something, you can, like you see someone going faster than you. Like you can pedal. We've given you the ability to just focus all your effort on pedaling. Mm-hmm. If that person's pedaling faster... There's not really much more people. Talking. That's on you at that point. Besides putting an engine on the back, and at that point we make, like say, let's say, say it's a race. At that point, now it's unfair for the person in front. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's just if you just want to ride around on your bicycle all day, that's fine. Fuck it, put a rocket back on the back. I don't give a shit. If it's a single player game, yep. and you want to do all that stuff, same. You know, like Devil May Cry stuff like that. They have um, it's like ranking systems, and if you gave people too much of an advantage, they would be at like basically beast on people without trying to beat mm-hmm. people who legitimately playing the game. It's like Guitar Hero. Yeah, it would mess up game. things like the leaderboards and stuff like that. So yeah. obviously like on... you play on expert mode and you get more points for it. Yeah. Um, but one game that I really want to bring up in terms of okay. accessibility is yes. actually um, Celeste. Oh, Fantastic yeah. this is the like, 2D platformer. Yeah. Um, so that had an assist mode in the game and it doesn't affect any achievements or anything like that but basically it gives you options as the player to lower the difficulty but keep the gameplay intact so yeah, it's can, still like, playing through the same levels like that, yeah. but yeah you can slow down time you can give yourself extra jumps you can give yourself like um the ability to not die and things like this and just it never stops somebody from having the same experience yeah, you can still get to the end of the game. Yeah, it just... Because that game has such a fantastic story and just great characters and stuff, they want people, even if they're not at a very high level of gaming, to be able to go through and experience that story. No, so no, they that should be it. That's good. They're right. keeping the gameplay intact, but just giving some players with a bit less skill or, um, you know, any difficulties with the game. Like, they're just giving those few little options and they allow them to like tailor the game as well like each individual one can be turned on and off at your own whim it, so if you're the only issue you have is that you can't react quickly enough you can just slow down the time and the rest of the difficulty is still there yeah that's a cool way of doing it because video games are an active medium mm-hmm. and therefore it's like, <coughs> there's no one size oh god that's a cool oh, that yeah that was. that's going to show up for everybody, everybody as well oh, we're recording in stereo 
So I hope what you do when you edit this is that they have um, me in one ear and you in the other. There's like one person's <laughs> coughing right in their ear. Anyway, like because that was video games are an act, it's an active medium, so there's no one-size-fits-all solution for stuff like this. Because what works in Celeste would not work in another game. And at that point, like because there's no like just solution that will you can just apply to everything. I think this argument's going to keep happening. Yeah, I'm but... glad that it is, obviously, because one, it's bringing more visibility to a lot of like you know people who have legitimate, like actionable reasons to be pissed off about like some video games not being accessible to them. Mm-hmm. People with disabilities, people who like various impairments, that sort of from enjoying a game to its full extent. Mm. But it means that we get my favourite thing, and that is video game journalists sucking ass at video games. <laughs> So what I want to do first, before like you know the dunking of all these like video game journalists begins, is like put a pin in the previous conversation and draw a distinction between like you know the lay person in the street, like me and you, mm-hmm. and, like, you know various other people like making complaints about video games like being too hard, and journalists because with like with some exceptions because there are like journalists out there like who are like um, not like, fully able-bodied and that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I would. Suggests, I'm oh sorry, for the most, I would guess that most um, video game journalists are people like my, you and myself who played video games for many, many years and as such should have, like, I'd hope they use the same descriptor we did of our ability to play and that is competent. Exactly, and I think these people obviously get a career in games journalism, not for, you know, fame and money because it's not. A massive industry like that it's because they're no passionate yeah they're, they're passionate about gaming and like the medium yes they should as you say have had that base level of just competence at games we're not expecting yeah. them to be like just absolutely incredible at every game they come across but they should have that that base level of being good at games yeah, and at the same time, I understand there is like you know, there's a space in the ecosystem out there for people who maybe aren't that good at video games. Like mm-hmm. Conan's Clueless Game is a thing; it's very popular. Like the the perspective of a person who's new to video games, or unfamiliar with them, or maybe just has a different just experience. Yeah, sure, and I think valuable. that's a little bit. It is valuable for sure, um, but it's a bit different because he's not calling himself a video game critic. No, he's, he's literally called the Clueless Gamer. Yeah. Clueless gamer, and he's offering a perspective from that viewpoint, which is a viewpoint people clearly enjoy, so even if it's just purely for entertainment value. Yeah, of course. So, so I just wanted to mention, like, we're not saying that all video game journalists or people reviewing them have to, like, style beasts. It's just there's an expectation that it's like, if I go up to someone and say, like, I'm a Formula One driver, they're going to expect me to, like, you know, be able to drive a car. Mm-hmm. If I go up to someone, maybe not Formula like a bus driver, be expected to be able to drive quite well, or a taxi driver or something. If I say, yeah, sure. Like, even in that same sphere of industry, if like, I'm a movie reviewer, they expect you to have seen a lot of movies and yeah, be able to talk about like have a good theme. critical viewpoint on them. Yeah, and have like uh, enough media literacy to talk about film mm-hmm. in a way that makes you sound like you know somewhat competent at like you know what the fuck you're doing. And it seems that that's not the case. And Getting back to Sekiro again, like the article that inspired this entire podcast was one I saw the other day written by a guy for PC Gamer. I'm going to find the actual title because you might not have seen this yet, Lucas, have you? Um, no, you, you actually showed it to me yesterday. You sent me a message with oh, it. Okay. If I'm thinking of the right article anyway. 
Right, it's an article uh, for PC Gamer by one James Davenport. Davenport. Um, I beat Sekiro's final boss with cheats, and I feel fine. And then, like the um, the lead up to it, the leading tackle is uh, Sekiro's final boss is some bullshit with the tagline "No shame." Full stop. And that's you know what? That's fine. Video games are hard. Sekiro itself is a very hard game. Yeah, sure. It's a single player game. I don't give a fuck if someone cheats to see the storyline. That's fine, isn't it? Like, yeah, of course. If you just if you just want to see what the stop or the end of the game is, and you can't beat it, and you do that, that's fine. But here's the thing, though, Mister James Davenport. Do you know what he wrote for PC Gamer um, eleven days before he published that article? Go on. He was one of three writers who um, contributed to an article titled "Sekiro Combat Guide: Seventeen Tips for Mastering the Blade and Minimizing Losses." Well, okay. <laughs> so so this, this is why this is funny to me. So the guy, guy wrote the guide on Sekiro's on combat being, and how to stop being shit at it. Wrote an article eleven <laughs> days later, presumably after he'd actually played the game. Right, and not just like an hour of the demo saying that he can't beat it and he had to just go cheat to beat the boss. Yeah. We are not laughing at videos. I'm not like all the problems we just discussed, like I fully support people who want accessibility games and easy mode, it has no it's no skin off my nose if they put one in and they to let more people play these video games. I and think I the distinction very, is like the the fact that I wouldn't even mind if a reviewer had to be specifically a bullshit final boss with cheats. That, well, no, to me, a, is okay. He, he needs to finish the, the guy game. who admitted in an article, he said, I couldn't beat it, so what I did is I interviewed someone who did. <laughs> and he, he wrote it from that perspective. And that's a really interesting perspective. Like, that's cool. This game's so hard. I play video games all the time. I couldn't beat it. So mm-hmm. to get a review in on time, I had to bring in like a ringer and complete game. That's a really awesome idea. It's that this guy wrote an article telling people how to play the game, and, and then, then couldn't beat it himself. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's where the, the that's where the distinction comes in because I don't mind if you're a reviewer and can't beat the game for one specific boss or something. But if you if anything, wrote the guide on how to play the game, no, not even a guide. If you if you're talking mad shit about how good you are, and then if you actually read the article, like uh, I'm not sure if you can put links in. In like the podcast, I'm assuming we can, like in the description or whatever. I'll send it to Lucas and he can mm-hmm. put it in when he edits. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll whack it down in the description. Yeah. The people at Brew who we never mention in these podcasts. So thank you for the money, Brew. Um, <laughs> like he con- he goes on to describe why the final boss is like bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I played like FromSoft games. I've like I said, I appreciate them afar. And one of the reasons I appreciate them so much is that mechanically they are as close to perfect as you can get for that genre. Like, the hitboxes in those games are, like, smash hitboxes. Yeah, they, they are, are very precise. They are perfect. Like, those games do not feel unfair because you have full ability... Oh, sorry. Like, they don't... Like, they they feel difficult, but they don't feel unfair because you have, like, full control over your character and what you do. It's just everything you do is quite deliberate. Yeah. Right? So the, it's the idea that this guy's like, oh, the, the boss is bullshit, and then he has to justify his cheating. That's what cracks. If you admitted, like, I suck, I admit it, the game beat me, I'm like, you know, I just like, it's a single-player game, I'm not hurting anybody, I just mm-hmm. like, you know what, I did big cheats, and I saw the final cutscene, the game's great. It's the fact, no, the game's bullshit. The game made me cheat. Yeah. 
that I had to, you don't get it guys, I had to cheat. Sekiro's too hard, I had to cheat. It's, oh, it's just, I mean, I haven't played Sekiro's Final Boss, so I don't know. How, I want to play it now. How bullshit I'm going to buy but the game. I do, need to know. I do think it's very strange for someone to to call out the game for being bullshit when it's just a difficult game. And I've never heard yeah. people complain about Sekiro or any of the other FromSoft games being bullshit in terms no, of the bosses. It reads like a person trying to like, you know, justify themselves, and that's mm-hmm. why I find it funny. Like and I think this is an argument I got into on Twitter with a few people where they think I'm making fun of the facts. Like as I mentioned, like the people who have legitimate criticisms like and for wanting games to be easier because like they physically can't play them, whatever now. Like these are two very distinct things. Like I can sim- and I I simultaneously support the uh, well, you know, the rights of those people like Games should be easy, there should be lots of accessibility, you should be able to play whatever game you want, mm-hmm. and there should be like a concerted effort made so you can enjoy this medium as much as I do, but I'm simultaneously not going to stop dunking on <laughs> games journalists for being shit at video games, because it's too funny. It's, it's too just... Funny. It's like, we live in a world as well where these, for the most part, um, either, you, you know, the people reviewing games are probably um, at big websites with dozens of staff. Yes. And that's the thing is, if if you're getting somebody to review a game, you should have the staff there to be able to pick out the right person to review that game. And if you don't, write it from the perspective of a person who doesn't. Like, like I mentioned, that guy who couldn't beat it and got someone else in, I think that's a brilliant idea. No, that is, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, but when you're sitting there writing it as a distinction of, like, I... I'm good at this game, but I can't. I beat wrote it. a guide on how to master the blade, and I think all the comments on it are like, "You have, um, you have forsaken the blade." That <laughs> so you have forsaken the blade. The blade has abandoned you. Oh god! This wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened if you studied the blade more. <laughs> so good. It's just so funny to me, and uh, the way I summed it up on Twitter is. Um, I'll say, I'm just going to quote myself here because I'm an asshole. Like, uh, where is it? Eh, eh, eh. I'm going to keep going, keep going. I've got to find it. I've got to find it quick. Fill the oh, time. Come on, fill the time. Oh, no. It just makes me find it really funny. For example, there was um, that one that did the rounds of like the person who was apparently a games journalist who couldn't play Cuphead through even <laughs> the tutorial. Was, that one that was, was fantastic. Um, Dean something or other. My favourite bit about him is um, I think he's a tech journalist. Hmm. And he says, I don't really play video games. She's fine. Like, if you don't play video games, it's the same problem we mentioned earlier, isn't it? Like, if you hand someone who doesn't play video games a controller and tell them it's something that may seem simple to, like, you know, like me or you, like jumping and dashing at the same time. Yeah. That might that might be difficult, like I say, if I hand a control to my mum, because that's like quickly pressing two buttons at once on a device you're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. But it later turns out, no, he reviewed games yeah. for a website that went defunct, <laughs> including Mass Effect, oh, to God. bring it back into what you were playing earlier. Which he called, which he titled the article "Mass Defect," um, and he criticised it for having poor shooting controls. Which is fair enough. That's a fair criticism. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have the best combat. But he also criticised it for being too difficult towards the end because he forgot to level up his characters. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was a shooter and not an RPG. 
Yeah, so it's, it's a well-known shooter, that Mass Effect game. <laughs> so he didn't realise you could level up your fucking oh, characters. And at that point, it's like, I feel completely justified, like, dunking on him. Because oh, that's yeah. embarrassing. Because you that's should the... not be allowed to review that game if you don't understand that it's an RPG. Yeah, and if you understand the shooting mechanics enough to complain about them not being good, how do you not go into the pause menu and see that there's, like, pips that you can fill yep. in that put the damage numbers up? Yeah, and I, I have no problem if somebody who isn't familiar with RPGs doesn't understand that, but when you're at the point exactly. where you're reviewing the title, like... Oh and that's God. the distinction I wanted to make, because people thought I was making fun of the same, and it's not, it's the two sides of, like, you know, the same argument, mm-hmm. I suppose, but... And here, I found my tweet, and here it is, like, accessibility options are absolutely a thing games should have, which we've discussed already in detail. However, I'm not going to feel bad for dunking on a person, and this is all in caps this next bit, who reviews video games for a living, defending having to cheat to beat one. It'd be like seeing a film critic defend basing a review on a Wikipedia summary. It's like, and, that's, and I follow up by saying I wouldn't make fun of a deaf person for not watching a, for watching a movie with subtitles on because I'm not an asshole. Yeah. I would, however, make fun of a reviewer who put them on because he didn't know how to turn his TV up. Incompetence <laughs> is funny. And I was sort of like, let's just obviously video games are fairly unique. They're an active medium. Mm-hmm. There's, there's parallels you can draw with other forms of media, but not really because you don't have to play a film. But at yeah, the same exactly. time, let's just say like, let's compare it to film criticism. So I love the idea of like if film critics were as incompetent as some video game reviewers. And can you imagine like a film reviewer going in to watch a film and then just not understanding the film as bad yeah. as some video game just don't understand games? It's like, just, can you imagine it's really bizarre to me. It is and if you transpose that idea to another medium, it, it seems baffling and mm-hmm. the mockery would make complete sense. Yeah, like, it would totally. Like, if you had a film reviewer who watched a film and who was so bad at like understanding like the the, the basics of film, of film itself, yeah, but they like were criticizing stuff that made but like what Schindler's List like why is it all in black and white? Mm-hmm. It's a thematic choice you fucking play. <laughs> like how do you not get this? Or criticizing like a, a foreign film for having subtitles. Mm-hmm. It's like why didn't they just put it in English? I mean, obviously, shit? like I understand that video games are as you say a different medium compared to anything else in terms of entertainment because there is a barrier to entry there is a bit of pushback you don't get pushback when you try reading a book but you do when you try playing a a game a book can be sorry but a book can be hard to read you can have like a very dense philosophical textbook oh yeah of course and the same and the argument as you there in comparison to like accessibility you can get that book in braille Mm -hmm. you can get that book on tape yeah but you can't make it any easier for someone to understand that book. But for like, the most part, we don't have the same kind of equivalency in games. No, and we should. We absolutely should. We should oh, yeah, have the totally. option, like, for people to do that so everyone can enjoy it at the same time. <laughs> the idea that a person whose literal like living relies on being and talking about video games is things. So the, and the example I always use is my little sister who, like, she goes to school. She's 15 years old. Mm-hmm. She can play video games to a level of competency that is like above what I've seen like reviewers display. Yeah, like, myself and you have done that. Like, people who play video games, I know. I know a guy who's like an accountant, and he's the best person at like Halo. He's like the most naturally gifted video game player I've ever <laughs> seen. He beats me at everything, and he plays video games in his spare time for fun. That's not I his job. Get, yeah, yeah. I don't get how someone whose job it is can be that bad, and that's funny to me. It's just. Like, 
oh god, I just don't understand how they ever landed the jobs in the first place. Exactly. Without an ex- without the excuse of like something like if I saw someone like um, like this fighting game player Broly Lex, and he plays like Street Fighter with his face. Okay. Because he's like yeah, he, like he plays with his fucking face. It's like if he lost the game and he said like oh I lost that game, um, because it was bullshit. I'd be like you know what mate fucking well played you're playing this game with your face you can complain as much as you want if i saw a game journalist go up and get beaten by like arcade mission one when playing as ken with a controller and then say it was bullshit i say no you just need you to just don't, get better at games you just don't know how to play this game it's like i hate the get good mentality except when it applies to people it probably should so like if i had someone like serving me drinks and they spilled my drinks like Oh, you spoke to him, and they said, "Sorry, it's my first day." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "That's fine. I'm really like, it's fine. You're doing a great job." If like they come in, I'm a career waiter, and they were spilling drinks over my lap. I'd be like, "You fucking shit at this job. You should get a better." Yeah, one. you should probably make a move to another job at that point. Yeah, and it's like, and we're not saying like, oh, they people shouldn't have like these jobs, but these are jobs that require specialist skills. Like, it's not. Um, an unskilled position is it? It's something like no, exactly. To, yeah, in is, the same way that you like, would expect a lawyer to know something about law, you would expect the games journalist to be able to play games. Yeah, but I was trying to use a comparison that's like not something you require like years of training to do. Like that's why it's like a waiter. Like people can go into like, a waiting just as like a stopgap job. Yeah, people exactly. don't go into writing as a stopgap job because it is a skill that requires like concerted effort over time. I, did the writing thing for many years. Yeah, you have to hone your skills some, at that point. Yeah. And it's not something people can drop in or out of. It is like, it's something that you've either got to have a skill at and then to get at, to any level of like, um, like security in that field, you have to do it for many years. Yeah, of course. It's and not a job you just what lie in, to, like jump into from nowhere. Yeah. So that, that's used like the way to comparison. Like if someone's doing it it's their first day and it's a stopgap job and they don't give a shit, that's, I don't, I'm not going to like, Tell that I all feel bad. I'm oh, sorry. I'm not going to criticize that person for not knowing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But if so, someone comes in and then like they walk in, like dick hanging out, swaggering a bar, like the big <laughs> I am, say, I've been doing this shit for ten years. I'm going to E3 this year, and then they proceed to suck. That's like it's like pointing to the stands for a home run and then missing three swings in a row. Yeah, and that is like it's funny, and those people should absolutely be made fun of. Because it's funny. Yeah, exactly. And as you say, we've said it multiple times, we are not trying to make fun of people that aren't good at games. No, that's just it's like, not that's not fun. It's kicking a person while they're down, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's when they're meant on. to be good at games because that's their actual living. Yeah, it's the person talking shit and then falling over on their ass. It's that. It's that equivalent yeah. of like when some kid comes up to you at like an arcade cabinet talking trash to you, telling them how much they're just going to stomp on you and then, you know, they don't get a hit on you. Something like that. It's, um, it's that, and obviously you can say, like, these, the journalists, they're not, all the reviewers, they're not walking around saying, like, they're, like, style beasts, but the fact their literal job title has the word, I, like, basically says, I play video games for a living in it, there's an expectation there that you're going to have, like, a base level of competency. Yeah. And when you don't display that, it's surprising and humorous. And, if, and there are so many good examples of it. If you are going to review a game, you should be able to finish that game. 
Like, oh, for the most yeah, part, like as you, you say, there's exceptions with things like Sekiro, but that's, that's what, one of the hardest games that's come out in recently. a long time. So that's, that's very different. Compared to a film, would you read a review from a film reviewer who admits to not watching the film? Yeah. Or my example of like, oh, it's like a film reviewer reading the plot summary on Wikipedia. It's like, fair enough. Like, they know what the plot is, but I don't trust them to talk about it in all that much detail because they didn't experience it. The same way as if, like, a video game, like the Sekiro guy had to cheat to beat the final boss. If he'd wrote a review based on that, mm-hmm. that review has less value than one written by someone who beat it legitimately because they don't have the same experience as a person who played it the way it was intended. Yeah, because they're at that point not reviewing the game as it should be played. It's like, oh, I, rev- I watched a movie on my phone when I was on a plane and I'm going to review it like I saw it in the cinema. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Like, you can review that film, but I would very much argue that how that like how you viewed this thing or how this like review came about should be something you mention. Because like any criticisms that you may have may be a direct result of your your I'd say like your incompetence for not watching it or using like the most the way it was designed or intended to be screened to you. <laughs> so oh I watched Avengers in the cinema and it was terrible because there was a rip in the screen. Because that's not that's not the film's fault. Yeah. And the fact that you don't see that means that you probably shouldn't be reviewing this movie. I God, no. I'm, I'm all over the place with my metaphors today, but it's, it, I find it so great. So let's just talk about some examples because you must have a favourite one knocking about somewhere, mate. I mean, I I still just find that whole Cuphead one probably my favourite because it's not only the fact that it was just somebody who couldn't play the game properly, it was the fact that they couldn't even get through the tutorial. Yeah. And as you say, part, like, just... People looked in, yeah. Yeah. The guy's backstory. And, oh, he has reviewed games in the past. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. God, no. The, at that point, you should then take down that person's reviews. <laughs> it's like, they don't write... I wouldn't trust the criticism from a person who's clearly not experiencing the game in a way it was supposed to be played. If they're, like, styling themselves a review. My favourite, though, is um, a game Pixel Junk, which I've never played, and I know it via its reputation for a famous review that got deleted. And I don't right. remember which website did the review or the guy who did it. You can look this up by typing, like, Pixel Junk bad review and what happened with this was a guy reviewed this like game side scroller like pixel junk Mm -hmm. and in his review wrote the game ends really abruptly other than that um it's a fantastic like you know three to four hour romp i'd highly recommend it the creator of the game messaged the guy on twitter saying um your review is a bit weird did you play the game on easy and the reviewer said no i absolutely did not um, and then the, the guy kept saying, well, you must have done, because if you play it on easy, you miss the last level. Oh. If you play it on medium, you get the final level, and that's why the game ended so abruptly. And that reviewer <laughs> ended up like deleting those tweets, and they took that review down and removed that part of the review. Oh, dear God, that is just... Yeah. That is bad. Um, I've yeah, never more heard recently, that before. It was more I think as well, it was the same guy. And it was um, Resident Evil 2. He wrote that the second in Resident Evil Two, like the remake, um, in the original mm-hmm. one, you play through as Claire, you can play through as Leon, and you can play through Leon's campaign as Claire and Claire's campaign as Leon. So technically, there are four way four playthroughs you can do, mm-hmm. but two main ones. And in his review, um, he wrote that um, oh, uh, 
Claire's campaign's not really any different from Leon's. Oh, is this because out, they didn't pick the second run option? No. He played through Leon's campaign again with Claire. Yeah. And and then he wrote his review and, and then people pointed out, like, no, you picked the wrong option. Oh, God. And then he, I think he defended himself by saying, uh, well, the, art, oh, it, the game doesn't really make it clear that, you know, the content is going to be different in the second run. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to the very end of the game, when you complete the first Leon campaign, it comes up, um, you've now unlocked a second run mode. <laughs> this contains new new stuff you have not seen yet. And he still didn't click it. Oh, God. Which means he didn't scroll that and sort yeah, of worked out I on think the main I remember menu. this. And then, like, yeah. they had to go back and put a, an edit into the review to say that, oh, no, sorry, yeah. it was our review is bad because he didn't see that second run option. Yeah, we have now changed the review because there's again, actually different content in the second run option. And again, that's just incompetence and it's hilarious. But at the same time, like that review like is from a... Like, a I forget, oh, man, I, we should probably do... like That's the problem. Like These podcasts are largely improvised. And mm-hmm. we've done some research. We could have dunked on this guy a little bit harder, but... The same time, that was like a highly respected. I'm assuming. I'm pretty sure that was um, a reviewer IGN, for IGN. Yeah, might have been. And like, don't get me wrong, review... you know, I I listen to a lot of IGN stuff and watch a lot of IGN stuff, but that is not a good look at all. And as well, that review obviously ends up on Metacritic. Mm-hmm. And his criticisms until they got changed could have ended up influencing someone purchasing the game. Mm-hmm. And I'd be really, if I was the person sending out a review code to someone, I'd be like. Why would we send him to this guy? He can't even read a fucking menu. <laughs> and his job is to review this game. And then that started like an argument of, oh, um, should menus be clearer about what they unlock? And it's like, no. It literally says on the screen, when you, unless you turned away for a full 30 seconds when you finished yeah, the game. Yeah, I remember this coming pressed... up on my Twitter of just seeing like an actual block message of, this mode has now been unlocked. It gives you, you different like... content. And it's still, it's titled differently to the thing that it's, that was more recent. It's things like that that I find hilarious. Right? When you're playing the second run of a game, you should probably pick the second run option. And it if that's just, what it's uh, called. Yeah. That's the thing. And, um, oh, sorry. And when you make fun of, like, people for doing that, obviously, it gets folded into the argument we had earlier. And it's, um, like, I just want to pull them apart. It's like, no. I'm not making fun of the first group. It's the second group. The people who describe, like, the people whose self-described job title is reviewing video games, not being very good at them. I'm not making mm-hmm. fun of a person who can't play them. It's this one specific scenario because it happens so much. Yeah. It's so funny. No, we're just... What is that happening in other forms of media? No. Oh, book reviewers where a guy doesn't realise like the last, like he misses half a book. He misses the last chapter of the book or something like that. Yeah. Like he gets the wrong copy of the book. Like Joe, when um, in school, in exams, and people mm. forget to turn over their exam page. Oh, God, yeah. And then they try and blame the exam page, even though it says at the bottom, turn over for more questions. <laughs> I want that translated to all forms of media. I want a guy going to watch like Avengers Infinity War and leaving halfway through, because there's like 10 seconds of black screen, <laughs> and thinking that's the end of the film, and then reviewing that version of the film. It's like in uh, Robocop, when it first got released in cinemas. Um, I talked about it in my commentary track for the film, which you can find on Fact themed YouTube channel with Carl Smallwood, um, where there's a part where the main character dies in the first 10 minutes of the movie and they cut to black for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
originally that cut was for 30 seconds and people left the cinema thinking the film had ended. Oh my God. Bear in mind, this is like 10, 15 minutes into the film. The film's called Robocop. The poster has a robot man on it. And it hasn't got and to the point po- yet where there's a Robocop in it. Yeah. And at this point in the film, the main character, Alex Murphy, has been horribly murdered by like being shot a thousand times in the face. And it cuts to black. And people legitimately left the cinema thinking that was the entire movie and gave it like bad reviews. Oh my God. So what God. they did is like early test screenings. When they figured that out, they changed it to be 10 seconds of black instead of 30. I mean, I want that. Yeah, don't put 30 seconds of black screen in your film. <laughs> Just but as they, a rule of thumb. They didn't use 30 seconds of black and like completely silent. So what they did is they put 10 seconds in and then like a few seconds of silence and it fades into like a yeah. beeping. But the idea that people were so fucking stupid. They went to see a film called Robocop and thought it ended after 10 minutes. And didn't star a Robocop. And the same thing like a guy who played a video game, which is famous. The one thing it's not is like the idea that you can play through the game twice with different characters mm-hmm. and experience the same story from different angles, from different sides, and was involved in a company where they were covering the pre-release hype for it and presumably went to events and was talking about it with his colleagues and had seen yeah. all of the pre-release material somehow missed the fact there is a big screen at the end of the game saying there is more content you can go play. I have never played reviews. Resident Evil 2. <laughs> I have never played them. And even I aware. knew that the second run mode existed. I've not played the originals. I've not played the remakes. I've never really touched much of the franchise apart from number four, but I knew that but that existed. Exactly. And that's what I find so funny. It's like the idea that in his review of all the playable content in the game, he missed a piece of playable content that has the words playable content written over it. Oh, God. It's it's sheer incompetence on a level I can't help but respect. And I want it to continue <laughs> happening. Because obviously it's going to, because the video games are not to. And there's going to be people out there who are just like apparently stumbling ass backwards into these video game reviewing I, jobs. I have no idea how. Ass. I literally don't. No, man, nothing will ever be. I, again, I don't know. Exactly. There was the guy who reviewed one of the Football Manager games mm. and gave it a bad review because he didn't know what Football Manager was. And he criti- <laughs> one, of his, one of his criticisms was, why can't you play the games? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't like so this many. game where you play as the manager because There's I so, want to play football. So many. They're all amazing. I love oh, them God. all. <laughs> <laughs> you think we were making it up? Well, you can go look, these stories are all true I, I, and they're all real and they're all amazing. Like the guy who couldn't play Doom. Oh, right, God. We'll end on that. It's Polygon's review of Doom. And Doom, like, a uh, hyper fast first person shoot that's all about basically constant movement and demon shredding action. Mm-hmm. And the guy at Polygon got an exclusive copy of the game and he was playing so bad. But they put it out with, like, really intense music over it going, yeah. This is doom. It's like it's like watching your mum play Halo for the first time. Oh god! Oh, I just um, I I do remember not long ago watching Devil May Cry interviews and stuff, and there yeah. was an IGN video where the they were talking to I believe the producer of the game, and they had some B roll footage of the guy at IGN that was playing it for review and stuff, and the producer literally turned around and was like, "Who is playing this game?" He is really fucking good at it. <laughs> like, so I love that like, I shit. love that stuff because when when a like reviewer or whatever is so good that the producer stops what he's saying and says, "This guy's really fucking good at the game." Yeah. 
Would you um in the same vein, but on the on the flip side of that, um, Devil May Cry Five has a system in it where the music um, is contextual, and the better you're, you're better you're playing, the higher you're ranking, mm. the cooler stuff you're doing, the louder the music gets, and the vocals don't come in, so you're getting like an S rank. Oh, that's really cool. The idea there is like when you're styling, the music will play super loud mm-hmm. and it styles with you. Yeah. And an, an early reviews of the demo by like some reviewers are saying the game mechanically flawless but the music is a bit bad the music's really muted <laughs> it's really quiet in the background i don't understand why you it's because you're just review. stuck on like a c rank yeah. the entire time yeah you could look at that review and just go i can ignore this person's opinion about this game because they are not playing the game or exploring the full potential of what it can achieve mm-hmm. it's like and as well we know for a fact there was an option in the game for them to just put on automatic style mode <laughs> And they could have pulled out, but obviously that's either because they don't know it's there, or just like arrogance of I don't need this mode. They went in, got a shit ranking, and they complained about the game having a really cool mechanic. Complained about a feature that exists in the game because they didn't know it existed. Because they were so bad at playing the game. <laughs> and I love oh, oh that stuff's amazing. And I hope it continues to happen forever. And I hope as well at the same time video games get more accessible so more people can play them and the industry makes more money and I can play like Pokemon Sword, Shield and Gun. Uh, I would love a Pokemon Gun game. And my favourite thing was that fucking like Mexican magazine or something (laughs) that actually (laughs) reported was... Was it? Oh god, it was just like, oh yeah, so uh, someone made a joke about Pokemon Sword and Shield having a third version called Pokemon Gun. And it was just like a little fan post that someone made, and then people were incorrecting, reporting that there was a Pokemon, Pokemon Gun. Gun game coming out. It was coming soon <laughs> to a video game store near you. It was Pokemon fucking Gun. <laughs> this game needs to exist. Oh. I can't think of a better place to end it, but just on us absolutely creasing at the <laughs> Pokemon Gun. Oh, I think Peter would have a field day. <laughs> oh, this game is like uh, what is it now? It's a cockfighting simulator. Now, yeah. now Pokemon have got Can guns. Shoot each other. <laughs> Pokemon's Call of Duty now. Deal with it. <laughs> You've got kill streaks in Pokemon. Oh stop. god! Get the airstrikes in. <laughs> Use earthquake in hard mode. You get six kill streaks straight away. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, all right. So, is there anything you want to plug, my friend, before we close this one off? Um, you started a YouTube channel. I have, and as I mentioned last time I was on the podcast, it's um, Legend of Kanto on YouTube. My first video is now up. Yeah. Am I going to be on this? Because I'm letting you on the podcast. Can I be on your video thing? I mean, yeah. Of course you can. Can we do that that dickhead YouTube thing of cross-collaboration? Oh, God, yeah. I would love that. (laughs) All right, so look forward to in the future some kind of collaboration between myself and Lucas. Um, Is there anything else you want to plug? Um, Twitter or anything like that? Um, no, I think that's everything I've got. Um, I'm just getting a, all my social media and stuff set up for the YouTube page. So hopefully, when we start getting a bit more, a uh, bit more presence, we can get all that sorted. Yeah. Pro tip: don't use your personal one. Yeah, that that's uh, that's the one thing I'm learning from you, Carl. <laughs> Make a yeah, separate my personal account. Twitter is like my base now. <laughs> but feel free, like you're editing this, you're editing this podcast, are you? Yeah, Send yeah. along the links for everyone. And my news is that. Um, this is probably going to be a bit late because these are going to be going up a couple of weeks after I've actually like gone and done this. But I am working on getting an office 
the big wangers incorporated which is like people might listen to this podcast and they might not remember Yes, I officially own a business called Big Wangers Inc. And I actually and work for a company called Big Wangers Inc. Now, yeah, L- Lucas, you <laughs> can confirm that you have received, you've sent and received payment. Um, you sent an invoice to and received payment from a company called Big Wangers Inc. I actually have that on my bank statement now. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm not making this up, and I've been looking at an office for the business because obviously I've been told it's a good idea to have one as like you know a home base of operations mm-hmm. because my internet is terrible. And from that home base, I am hoping to start streaming because the um, the place I'm going has got like dedicated, super good internet. Oh, very nice. Whereas my, up, whereas my upload speed is, I checked this the other day, it's about 400 kilobytes. Okay, wow, that's even worse than mine. <laughs> yeah, so it takes me three hours to upload a five minute long YouTube video, which I did on my channel the other day. It's like just me playing Bloody Palace. Mm-hmm. So hopefully within a couple of weeks, presumably by the time this um, uh, podcast goes up, I'll have that office set up. Oh, very nice. Done. And that's where I'm going to start obviously recording everything from. And my hope is because it'll have decent internet, we're going to start streaming these podcasts. Oh, that'd be cool. Hopefully. Because obviously, um, Brew owns this podcast outright. Like, um, they own all the distribution rights mm-hmm. and they don't revert to me for a couple of years. But I think I'm allowed to like record them live. I've not asked them yet, but I'm assuming by putting it in the podcast, now they can't say no. <laughs> So now that's how you're going to do it we're just going to say that we'll do it before we've agreed upon anything yeah because then if they deny it they're letting the fans down that's, how <laughs> that's a power play no, right hope... there Carl. It is. that's what I'm all about those those big wanger power plays <laughs> you don't run a business called big wangers Inc. without learning how to do that without learning how to throw your dick around but hopefully um, in a couple of weeks that'll be the plan to stream like, or live stream the recording of the podcast I'm going to answer like fan questions and stuff at the end yeah that'd be really cool as well and as well, streaming a lot more. Because once I've got the office set up, I want to invite you, Lucas, and then Charlie again oh, sweet. for a weekend so we can record some like, you know, some smash content in the office. Because mm-hmm. once I've got all that set up, it's not going to be regular fact theme videos we can just record. We can record a lot of gaming stuff. Oh, that'd be so cool. I actually have like a PC sat right next to me that I only use for like just basic editing work that I would love to like, you know, use with decent internet. I like, get some actually like, utilize it properly. Yeah, use it to stream like video mm. games, like do some playthroughs, do live streams of the podcast, get you guys over, have a weekend of Smash. Because of course, the sofa's going to have an office. Oh god, yeah. And this is the best bit. Um, no, sorry, not the sofa. I, I, I know what you meant. No. The, the office. office gonna... The office is just going to be in the sofa. <laughs> the casting couch. Walk in. It actually belongs to the sofa. No, it's um, because I went. I went to like look around the office. I was looking around and I was like, first thing I asked, like, oh, so. What do you do for your business? And oh, I just record things, you know. Uh, I, I do things on YouTube, um, just silly little things. And oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and what's the business going to be called? So apparently, I get my own letterhead on the door. <laughs> and so it's, it's, um, it's Big Wangers Incorporated. And I went, what? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And I went, oh, well, do you also want to be on our website? I went, can I be? <laughs> and they went, if you want to, um, we'll come in and take like a, a headshot or something and put you face. Oh, oh, this is just so incredible. So they're going to have like my headshot on their website. We're just now big one is incorporated. Sent. And then the mail gets sent there as well. Because <sighs> they've got to order like furniture for the office. So it's all going to get sent to Carl Smallwood at Big Wangerstock. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got to accept it and go put it in my office. Oh. But it has 24-7 access. Which oh, means that's I can cool. go in whenever I want and record stuff. Mm-hmm. So my plan is obviously go in at like seven o'clock at night when everyone's kind of gone home mm-hmm. and just do like an all-nighter of like recording to smash or something. Oh, God, yeah. That'd be really cool. Just, 
Not for a couple of weeks, though. This is, this is like, but it's, but it's, it's not future plans, but yeah. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just I don't know when mm-hmm. because I still need to sort out my details. I need to get stuff for the office. But yeah, Big Wangers Inc. is going fucking global, boys. You can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my own office. I'm going to stand next to the door and just point at it when girls walk past. <laughs> hey, it's me. I can't wait for them to walk past and see Big Wangers Inc. Look through like the curtains or whatever the window is and just see a green screen, a camera and a sofa. <laughs> like, what the fuck goes on in here? Oh, God. <laughs> it's going to be fucking brilliant, isn't it? Oh. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. See you next week for whatever the hell I decide to talk about. It's very planned out. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm fine.